Blog Talk Radio. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our heads in worship as we praise your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we bless your holy name. You deserve, you deserve the glory and the honor. And the honor. Lord, we love, we say, Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we praise your holy
faithful God. Awesome is your name. You do mighty things. <laughs> you do glory. You're the faithful God. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle working God. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle working God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jehoshua. What an awesome, awesome God we serve. What a good God. What a great God. Hallelujah. Who is like unto our Lord? Who is like unto our God? Merciful. Hallelujah. Merciful God. Hallelujah. With his creation, with his people. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of, of being able to share your word, Lord Jesus. Use us tonight, Lord. Bless every life. Let everyone come under the blood of Jesus. Be bind those strong men or hindering spirit from north to south, east to west. Up and down in Jesus' name, Lord Jesus, and billions and trillions. I worry as angel and archangel, Lord, I will minister, Lord, that will clean out the shadows, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy. Speak to our life, Lord. Give us the word, the word that we need tonight from you, Lord, that will minister to our life. <coughs> In Jesus' name, we ask our Lord. <coughs> I'm still coughing. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> we with you go coughing, oh Lord. With you go coughing, Lord Jesus. Allow us, Lord, to share your word tonight. In Jesus' name, bring healing by your strength, by your word, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, rebuke us the attack of the enemy, wishes and warlock. We bind and we rebuke them in the name of Jesus. If we attack, we take your arm, O oh Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. To seal. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, of faith. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, O Lord. In the love, Lord Jesus. Cover us, protect us tonight, Lord Jesus. Use us for your glory. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm here with my brother Tony. Shalom, shalom. Amen. I know some people probably will like in a little later. I understand. Thank you, Lord. A lot of people working, so it's hard for people to get in it sometimes. But that's okay. It'll be recorded. They can always go back and amen and read it. I, I wanted to read um. Um, um, in the Jewish Bible, Joel 2.25, which is where practically we're going to begin this. This may be just one of the topics we're going to be talking about tonight. My brother, my sister, but God says to his people that I will restore to you the years that the locusts ate. And I was thinking about that years. Years. Because that's exactly what it feels like 
when you've gone through testing and trials and tribulation for a long time. And then you look back and you say, how many years have passed? You know? And that's kind of how I felt, but the Lord gave me a revelation with regard to this last night. And I'm going to share what the Lord showed me. But I tell you, it is amazing what God can do. The power of God has no limitation. We we think about the limitation that we have that God doesn't have. What do you think, Brother Tony? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, we, we're the ones that, that put the limits, the limit what God can do. When the Lord clearly said, you know, with, with Father, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So it's, it's, it's us that put the limitations on, on, you know, on what he can do. In know? our own life. Yeah. In, <coughs> our, own life, yeah. In our own belief. Yeah. <coughs> and we're not supposed to. Right. We're supposed to believe. Just believe, I believe there's a verse that says. Just believe, yeah. Only believe. Yeah. And those verses are small, but they're very significant in the Lord. Yeah, God wants us to believe him. Amen. Shalom, Brother Robert. Amen. Just believe him. Shalom. Him, him alone. Amen. So I will restore to you the years that the locusts ate. The grasshopper, the sheer worm, the cotton worm, my great army that I have sent to you. Now, I like to read this here in this uh, God, uh, Word of God Bible. And there's a reason because I believe it, it, it's just more modern and it gives you the word with more details. It says, I will repay to you the years that the mature loc- locusts and adult locusts the grasshopper, the young locust, ate your crops. Yeah. Amen. And no, if you live by planting, Shalom Sister Luna, if you have to eat by planting or grow or eat what you grow, and then that also makes it if it's also including to be in your income, and then these bugs Comes and eat them all. How do you feel about this? Yeah, it's a loss, right? <laughs> it's a loss. And then not only eating them up, eating part of it. Because I'm sure if you're able to survive, God has to somehow not allow them to eat them all. Okay? But he says he's going to restore the years that the mature, the adult locust, the grasshopper, the young locusts ate your crop. Okay? They are the largest army that I have sent to you. Okay? And so, uh, you were mentioning that these are plagues. Remember earlier? Yeah. That's how I... That's what it uh, reminds me of. Of plague. From what it reads. You know? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because it said crops. And so mm-hmm. I thought plague, you know. Plague. Famine. Or famine, yeah. Part of the famine. Yeah. You know, I don't remember reading it in the famine that Joel said they had those, no. Oh. No, I just said there was a famine on all the land. Uh, and that mentioned the skinny cow. Yeah. And the 
There was some other box that were mentioned, I believe, in the Vision of Pharaoh. Yeah, it was the it was the the cows and uh, the uh, I believe the other one was corn. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Lord. It was. Uh, Amen. Yeah. But say, God says, I will repay you. I would, and that was my dream last night from Father, from God, that He's going to do this for us. He's going to restore. I have probably told him, what does the word restore mean? What do you understand of restore? Restore, yeah. Because uh, what, what came to mind was when David, when David says, uh, return to me, uh, the joy of salvation, like restore it again from how it, it used to be. From how it used to be. Amen. Uh, but then that... Uh, video we were watching earlier uh, explained more about restore and mm-hmm. and, uh, and also mm-hmm. gave a it said that it, it does mean that but then it also means more abundance more better than amen than before is what I understood from that thank you Lord yeah. we are so close for things to happen God has told us that you know this year things are going to begin yeah. but God has a plan, Shalom, Brother Miguel, for each and one of us to bless us. Bless us. He wants to bless us. And that, you know, that whatever is missing in your life, the devil stole. God wants to restore that back to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all need God to intervene and fight for us. Because eventually when God told it that to Abraham, oh, the Lord came to Moses. That he will remove the nation from among them. Yeah. That means God's fighting and be on their behalf. And that's exciting. That's exciting. You know, after the, they went back to the promised land, they were told how God fought for them back in Egypt. Yeah. You know? Because every single play God sent was the mighty hand of God fighting for Israel. You know? And and sometimes bugs or little things seem insignificant to us. But let me tell you, those plagues that came upon Egypt killed everything they had. So they were grievous plague. The plague the plague they were all grievous, destroying, killing the fly, everything. They were truly strong play that if God would not remove his hand from them after Pharaoh told Moses on the second, third time when he came before him to remove this plague from them because one plague of the blood contaminated all the water, even their water of usage, the rivers, the lake, everything. And I believe they said the water stinks. So that you know, because blast stink after, you know, you leave it out for a while. And what it doesn't do that unless it's, you know, it's not moving. So they complain of the water stinking in Egypt because of the plague of blood. So it, 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 they were, they, these were destroying plague. These were the, the mighty hand of God in Egypt. And now that they were in the promised land, they were reminded how God with strong hand delivered them out of, out of the hand of Pharaoh, out of the Egyptian. Amen. 
that to us it may seem insignificant because we were not there. But imagine if it was us being there and God delivered us with a strong hand, we will remember and celebrate it. And so to the Jewish people, it's very significant. But to us who were not there, it may not be to us. It's practically like a story most of the time, a story told. Shalom, Sister Regina. So it's, it's, thank you, Lord, important for us to look into it. But at the same time, put yourselves in the shoes. Imagine yourself going through it yourself. Put yourselves in the shoes. And then see how God delivers you with a strong hand. Amen. And he'll give you victory over the enemy. So mighty hand of God. So, Joel 2, 26. You will have plenty to eat. And you will be full. You will praise the name of the Lord your God, who have performed miracles for you. My people will never be ashamed again. Because when they were in Egypt, how do they feel? How do, they were in shame. And when we were in sin, we were in shame, weren't we? Before we came to Christ, we were in shame. Even if you were, if you were religious, you were in shame. Whatever the idolater, you were in shame. Now you don't have to feel that way. You don't have to walk with your head down because no. Now it's joy in the Lord. In the presence of the Lord there's joy. And so this is why we look forward to spending eternity with God in the presence of the Lord. Because there's joy, there's peace, there's life, there's abundance. Thank you, Lord. One thing I was meditating in heaven, there's never a boring moment. Because God makes everything new. And when you go see God, you're going to experience something new. And then you want to know, so I wonder what am I going to see next time. You're looking forward to the next time because you're going to experience something different from Father. That's why our sister says, reading the Bible, she reads that the seraphim goes around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. And she said, she was so curious that she prayed to God and said, can you please reveal to me why did these seraphim keep going around saying, holy, holy, holy. And God gave her a dream. And the dream she saw that when they go around the throne, God, they see a new revelation of God. And the revelation is so powerful that they fly with all their minds around the throne to see the next revelation. And when they see it, they say, holy, holy God almighty. And then they fly with all their mind again. And they say, holy, holy. And it's, it's so powerful, the revelation that we see of God. And guess what? That never stopped in the Lord. Now that when I was taking it was different than what I've been there before. I can tell how it looked to me when I went. It was awesome. But I had not seen it that way. I had not experienced it that way. When you go to the throne of Father in heaven, you will experience it in one way. When you return, it will be in a different way. And you say to God, because remember, Brother Richard heard people going to the throne saying, Oh, 
I just want to go back again, and the end you will say, you will come back again. Just wait your turn. Got to wait your turn. And they head back home. But the experience alone changes you completely, changes you. Do not feel the same forever and ever. And 100 billion years from now, you're still saying, I want to see it again. And you get to see something new. Endless. There's never a boring moment in God. Never. Not a boring moment. And the country, you are more and more and more and more. Endless. God is endless. And you may ask him about that here, and he'll smile, he'll laugh about it. He he loves to see us smile. He loves us to enjoy him. He makes himself available for you and I to enjoy being with him, the Lord and the Father. He's your, he's, he's your God. He's your Lord, and he's your best friend. Thank you, Lord. He's so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. So again, my people will never be ashamed again. He, I mean, I allowed it once. I'm not going to allow it again. Never be ashamed again. You will know that I am Israel. You will know that I'm in Israel. I'm in Israel. And I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. You may say, God, but how is it there is no other? No other. He knows all things. He sees all things. He never seen another one. <laughs> and the fact he knows that why there's no other one, because he created everything. He created heaven and the earth. There was nothing before he created. So no one else can come up and say, but why did that and I did that? Well, he created all. My people will never be shamed again. He repeats it again. Why, why is God saying that to us? Twice. Twice he says, my people will never be ashamed again. That's the witness of two or three where it's established. And it's established by God, brother Tony, that you will not be ashamed again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome God. Okay, I'm, I'm going to finish this, but I want to give people a preview, my brothers and sisters. We found in the Bible, remember the vision that God given me with the cell phone connected to, connect to people said through AI? We found that connection. It's like wild connection in the Bible. Okay? And I... I I was stunned that you can find something like that in the Bible. Remember we're talking about it? Yeah. But it's in the Bible. Remember the Lord says to me that everything about this time and the time to come, it's in the Bible. Everything is there. Thank you, Lord. And I didn't know it was there until boom, we came across it. I'm like, wow. And so we're going to get there to the book of Romans. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So his people will never be ashamed again. There. Thank you, Lord. So he will restore. So here's the dream he was giving me this morning. In my dream this morning, God was showing me the things in my life, that in our lives, the enemy has stolen. 
and I could see many things that the enemy has stolen, and I saw the power, restoration power, mighty God. And there was a cat that I had, but for some reason the cat has um, kind of dark line in his body, like a, a bit like a target, a, a tiger, like tiger color, a stripe. If I have the cat in my hand, the power of God comes through, and God began to show me his restoration power, that everything the enemy has stolen, he's going to restore back to us like he did with that with Job. And I'm looking at God's supernatural power, restoring back to us everything that the enemy was stolen. My cat in my hand looked like it had tiger shape on his body and when the power of God went through him it was completely white in my hand a snow like whoa and he was peaceful he was not like before he was running away he was totally peaceful in my hand he's going to restore animal to be peaceful again he's going to restore our life he's going to restore everything back to normal we will live in peace, he says. He's, I, one part of uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah, he says, my people Israel will live in peace again, he says. When his total restoration comes, his total restoration power, he, he will establish everything back to how he meant them to be. When I told Father this week that why there was so much evil on this earth, Looking down from, from, from the throne of Father down to the earth, Father said that he did not meant for things to be in this way. It was not his plan for things to be in the way they are. We know the consequence of sin that started in the garden. All right, people say, no, it did not start in the garden. It started in heaven with Satan. But those, those are two separate events. But they did start it in heaven with Satan, with Satan, who were kicked out later. And then on earth were Adam and Eve, who were also kicked out of the presence of God. Because there cannot be any sin in the presence of God. The only people that can stand in the presence of God are repentant believers who have confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior and repent of their sins and trespasses daily, continuously, the Bible says. Continuously, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, continuously, uh, yeah, that's daily, you know, that's continually, and not, you know, that's, uh, so it reminds me of, it's just every day, because, you know, like you mentioned before, you know, um, we sin every day, and it's true, you know, so that's continually, it's because we sin, one way or another, so, we, you know, we got, we got something to repent about, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, he's holy, and and uh, you know, it's, it's for us, it's a, it's a must. You know, we have to repent, and as long as, as long as we're here, you know, in this body, so it's I do it, you know, because it's it's because I know, you know, I, I we sin every day, so yeah, continually. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. And God knows that we are also being tested. Yeah. Intended in a different way. Yeah. 
But he's with us, though. Yeah, God is. is with us. And if God is with for us, who can come against us? Mm-hmm. Paul says. So we can never forget that we're not victim. We're vectored in the Lord. Yeah. Victorious in the Lord. Because a lot of people, when they talk about themselves, they see themselves as a victim. No, you're not a victim. You are in Christ. You are victorious in Him. You, because yeah. He says you're more than overcomer. And over, an overcomer doesn't sound to me like a victim. No. It sounds someone overcoming things. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And that's what we are in Christ. Victorious for Christ, not victim. Victorious for Christ. My brother and sister, we stand by faith. Paul says, after being beaten and thrown in jail several times, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the man had all the other mark of all the beating he received. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ. But, you know, he was a, this is practically of an old age man. Because he had already spent so many years. Only, because I was reading this in, in, in the Galatians, one time he was there 14 years, and the second time he was there 16 years. Yeah. To me, right there, that's what, 30 years with them. My brother and sister were one single church, and he was he spent time with all of them, 10, 10 12 the, the different churches, years. So I imagine that if he did 30 years, 14 and 16, 30, with, with the Galatians, and Paul left Jerusalem, when he left, he was already up in his 20s. We're talking about he was in his 60s, 70s, still preaching and more. And he, and he still said, I can do all things with Christ who's him. So his age did not matter to him in regard to preaching the gospel. He preached it in obedience. So God will want us to be to do the same, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Just trust him. Just seek him. Thank you, Lord, because he's in control. He will help us. Thank you, Yeshua. Now, this other verse was in Roman that we were reading. <coughs> Excuse me. This is Roman, uh, Roman one eighteen. I want you to see this. Thank you, Lord. Remember, we're talking about the cell phones and how the Lord showed me that, and I've seen this already twice or more. The 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 AI from the cell phone connecting to our brain, and then those demons that that call themselves so cute name like aliens, was trying to tell me, oh, those that's that's our technology. They say to me. You know, but okay, and I seen it. I saw them using it, and one of the one of the the aliens said, uh, "Paul and Beeman, Nephilim, said uh, uh, iPhone." I heard him say iPhone, and I was like, "But the Android, the Lord says, and the iPhone are the same." So, but for us, the recommendation is is uh, either Android, iPhone, 4G that we should use. No more than that. 5G brings you now into disobedience with Father, which he doesn't want us to use 5G. So please be careful. Amen. So here it is. So God's anger is revealed from heaven against, 
against every ungodly immoral things people do as they try to suppress uh, the truth by immoral living. Notice that the, the religious condemnative life that they live before God. God's anger is revealed from heaven against every ungodly and immoral things people do as they try to suppress the truth but they immoral living. Okay? So that they're doing this suppressing the truth by the immortal life. The immortal life to them seems to be more important than what God is saying that is the truth. And this is the dangerous with them in God. But so suppress it to quiet down, isn't it? Keep quiet. Don't preach. Don't go on the radio. Don't go on television. Don't go on the park. Don't go on the street to preach the word. Okay? By the immoral living. Okay? They say, oh, just let us do what we want to do. We're not stopping you. We're telling you that it's wrong. Because it's not the God to fight. Amen? That's what that is. Okay, what can uh, be known... Uh, what is the song am I reading? Lord, please. What can be known about God is clear to them because he's made it clear to them. Paul says that he has made it clear to them. What can be known about him having made it clear? How do you explain this, Brother Tony? Oh. It's clear to them because he has made it clear to them. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of what it says right behind, or right before that one. Where it says uh, they suppress the truth by their by their immoral living, meaning they don't they've heard the truth and they know it's the truth, but because of their because of the people's own actions, you know, the the they don't uh, let's like you know the 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 self will, the will of the person, you know, it's uh, instead of doing what God, you know, God's will, and um, that's where that's where it reminds me of. It's clear to them. It's like. We, we've heard the truth, we know it's the truth, but because of our own, we want to do our own will. You know, it's like we don't want to obey the truth. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Yeah. So, praise you, Lord. From the creation of the world, God invincible quality, and I was thinking about this, what was the invincible quality? Invisible quality. He, he, he has quality, let me tell you. Yeah. For the creation of the world, God's invincible quality, his eternal power, and divine nature, and his image, and his image he made them. His divine nature, look what the nature of God is. Divine nature. Mm-hmm. Okay? Has been clearly asserted in what he had made. As a result, People have no excuse. They knew God, but did not praise and thank him for being God. Instead, their thoughts were pointless. What does that mean, Brother Tony? Pointless. Yeah. Uh, their thoughts were pointless. Uh, like, vanity? Yeah, like... Uh, uh, A vanity. Vanity, yeah. Vanity. Yeah, vanity. Wow. 
pointless. And this misguided mind were plugged into darkness. <laughs> Are we plugged, yes or no? <laughs> Is your mother plugged in, yes or no, with the iPhones? Through, through where did this alien fallen angel got them plug him into their mind, according to the Bible? To darkness. Are they plug him, yes or no? That's in the book of Romans. And I saw that, I'm like, wow. Their misguided mind will plug, plug, plung into darkness. And that's connected with darkness and that's what I seen that that, that how do you say it the iPhone the phone through the AI being connected with the mind darkness with the mind with the human mind okay that's why AI is darkness okay in case you're wondering AI is darkness my brother and sister, that plug, that connection into darkness is what the, I, the AI and the iPhone and the iDro does with humanity. And it's a controlling, this misguided mind. Someone plug them into darkness. Like the Lord showed me, those that are called you are folks, alien, the fallen demon. The Lord doesn't like it when we call them alien. Like for us to be biblical and call them demon, fallen angel. Those are the right names, okay? Because when he started talking to me about this, I said, Lord, aliens said, no, demons. Demons is what they are, fallen angel. <coughs> but the media goes on every day, UFOs, UFO, no, <coughs> excuse me. Fallen angel, my brother and sister, is what they are. But they're into the mind of people, okay? Plug into darkness while claiming to be unwise. And here's, here's what happens when people walk after their own belief to be right. Because scientists and a lot of people, when you when you preach to them, when you talk to them, one of the reasons they disregard the gospel is because they supposedly can find an excuse for everything in the Bible. Okay? Yes, like the movie Matrix. Thank you. So while claiming to be unwise, they became fool, says Paul. And fool, to me, is that tied with that word foolish? Virgin? Uh, yeah. Uh... Oh, the foolish virgin would point to the foolish people. Is that... What I would, that's how I would see it. Mm-hmm. Foolish versions, yeah. Or, yeah, I guess you could see it that way. I always saw it as uh, foolish versions as also believers, but not. Uh-huh. Not, uh, not where they should be. Okay. Know? Yeah. But. And they're foolish because of the decision they made. Yeah. Most likely. So while claiming to be unwise, they became fool. And. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God. And there's one thing here, immortal God, that Jesus says to me in heaven this time. He says, I am eternal, he says. I'm eternal, he says. Or eternity. I'm eternity. 
And then, if I'm in you, so are you. And that's, that's, I was telling Brother Tony, we don't see it that way. We we hear about eternal life, that if we see Christ, we see eternal life. But for us to say as a Christian, I'm eternal, we never say those words like that. But the Lord says that if he is in us, and he is, we are also eternal with him. Because he was telling me that we keep doubting him in his word, his message. And he says, those doubts are nonsense. Because I'm eternal and I'm in you. Y'all, my people. And I'm looking at him like, he's right. He's right. He is eternal. We are, he, his, him and us makes us eternal too. Because we keep talking about time and season. And we focus about that. Even when he came, the people wanted to know, the disciple, the Pharisee, when is the kingdom be established? When the kingdom of Israel will be established? You know? And we focus a lot about time. But he was telling me that we should not focus on all those things. That it's not like we focus that this year judgment is coming, an example. And that's what I was asking him, Lord, talk to me about this. And he was telling me that we should not focus on these things. One is because, okay, judgment comes, but it's not for us. I mean, we might be here shortly, but I remember he said to me, you are about to come home. Okay. What is, what is Now, looking at him, okay. So, so we should not be concerned with the destruction of the earth anymore because it's not for us. When we see Christ, we want to be out of here. So what is our concern, Brother Tony? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, it's uh, yeah, it's not a, it's not for us. You're right because you know uh, he has already promised us. You know we, you know we're like he said to you. You know we're gonna be there. We're about to be home. Well, you're about to be here. You know, and uh, we do tend to focus, you know, on on this life and like you say, time and and season and and uh, when we clearly know that we shouldn't, you know. Just that we keep, we, we sometimes we do it and and we do it, but knowing that we shouldn't, you know. Mm. But it's for us that are that are in Christ, like you say, you know, amazing promises God has, has given us, and and uh, and uh, that's our sin, you know, that we tend to doubt what the Lord says. We tend to doubt, and when the Lord doesn't want us to doubt, He just wants us to live in peace, you know, live in Him, and you know, because we're not in control, we can't, you know, we can't. You know, we can't do certain things. We do, Only the Lord can. He's, he's the Lord. You know, we can't, you know, because he's, he's, he's God. And, uh, and it, you know, our job is to just be in him and just uh, leave it up to him. You know, he's He's the one in control. And, and uh, but, yeah, live in, live in peace is what he wants us to do. You know, just, just you know. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Yeah. That is it. That's how he wants us to live for him. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. He says, for they exchange the glory of, of the immortal of God for statues that look like mortal human, bird, animals, and snakes. 
For the reason God allowed their laws to control them. And I, the laws controlling them, I imagine that that has to be demonic, no? Yeah, it could also be that. Yeah, for sure, yeah. As a result, they dishonor their own body by sexual perversion with each other. The people are exchanging God's truth for lie. So they have become ungodly, serve what is created rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, and this is what we need to be careful when that our eyes should be on Jesus. Because there are many things created here that people think are amazing. But then if you fall, like even serving the Antichrist is a sin. People that will follow the Antichrist will end up in hell like him. Yeah. So that's not the word of God for us to follow men in that regard to worship and all that. Because see what the men worship, you know. I tell you, there's, there's so much change is already happening that we're going to have to be extremely careful with everything. Verse 36, for this reason, God allowed their shameful passion to control them. Their women have exchanged the natural sexual relationship with a natural, like wise, their men have given up natural sexual relationship with the woman and burn with lust for each other. Uh, men commit indecent act with men. So they experience among themselves punishment that they deserve for their perversion. And so the punishment is, God says that they deserve because of their action, of their act before God that is not pleasing to the Lord. Amen. So that is for men and for women, either for both. Verse 28, because they had thought it was worthless to acknowledge God. And, and this, is, this is a fact with many people. They think that being a Christian is a waste of time. But no, wasting a time is not being a Christian. An idolater, even scientists and all that, if they're not seeking God, they're wasting their time. And that's what it, that's what they're going to seek to one. After the when the great tribulation began, they're going to realize that time was precious, and they're not going to give back that time. I think I heard it once or twice already, in the great tribulation. Oh, I wish we were back then before the great tribulation began. Oh, too bad we don't have that time anymore. People say. People in the great tribulation that are in punishment and suffering. They look forward, they, they desire to have even a five minutes at the time they have now. They would like to have it. But they are fully acknowledged knowing that that time is gone. Yeah. That they cannot get it anymore back. And it hurts to them. Because they, they it's like people in hell would like to go back to the earth and, and serve God, give their life to Jesus. But they know that time is not available for them anymore. But just not. And so when God says in his word, in his Bible, that time is running out, time is truly running out for them. But not for the righteous, because this is what the Lord was saying, that we worry about time, but his people should not. We should not, Jesus was telling me, because he is eternity. He is eternal. And him and us, he's our eternity. He makes us eternal like him, him and us. 
So you have all the time. So why do you worry about time? Should not. Nonsense, he says. Should not. So then we need to we need to pray it. We need to ask the Lord, help us to understand your word, understand what you have done for us, understand that that we Christ in us is the hope of glory. Eternity is already in us. He's eternal. We have eternal time with God, in other words. Endless time with him. The world time is running out. And when the great tribulation began, they will they will love to have a minute the way they have it now. They're not going to have it. Their clock is running out. God has shown it to several people. The world clock is running out. And when it that run out completely, then they find themselves in trouble. They want more time. No. No. The time is running out. Hallelujah. So they thought it was worth it. God allowed their own immortal mind to control them. So they do the things, the indecent things. Their lives are filled with all kinds of sexual sin, wickedness, and greed. They are mean. They are filled with envy, murder, quarreling, deceive, ambitionist. They are gossip, slander, haters of God. Howdy, arrogant, boastful. They think a new way to be cruel. They think a new way to be cruel. Wow, that's horrible. They don't obey their parents. Don't have any sense. People say, you make no sense. Now I know what they get it. <laughs> they don't have any sense, the Bible says. Don't keep promise. Oh, I wish I would regret this when I was young. The people don't keep the promise. Don't keep the promise. They don't show love to their own family. Oh, I wish I would have read my bio when I was little. And all this. Why did some of my family did not show me love? I would have saved myself a lot of pain if I knew this years ago. But it is the truth. <clears throat> you want to get love from your family, and you're not getting it. And then what do you say, brother Tony? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, uh, I can, uh, all these, like, the enemy can just, just steal, right? Steal, uh, steal what, um, that's it. What, uh, you know, like, or, uh, like, for example, you know, that, our family relationship, you know, like, for example, he has, you know, yeah, I, you know, like uh, division among family, for example, you know, because uh, I believe the will of God is for, since I'm saved, He wants them saved also, you know, my my other family members. But um, but we know we have an enemy that's doing on, you know, you know, uh, keeping other people bound. But I believe, you know, the the will of God is for them to be come to be saved also, you know. But uh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So don't keep promise, don't show love to their own family, mercy to others. Although they knew God's judgment that whose do was such a thing to serve to die. They not only do these things but also approve of others who do them. And that is also really bad when a person gets the doing bad, teaching other people to do bad and 
haven't been practiced doing evil. Because remember, that's what Satan did. He went to the other angel and made them all fall. For that reason, he, he, Jesus said, Woe well unto this, but woe well unto him that will make one of my little ones fall. You know? And, and, and so Satan falls under that. And anyone who, who leads a, a child of God, it, sometimes it's hard to know who's a child of God. Because a baby from your neighbor can be a child of God, an example. God has chosen that person. And you make that person fall, you know, it's better to tie a milto and, and, and throw yourself into the sea, Jesus said. So the condemnation for the person is severe. The condemnation for Satan is severe. Satan cannot be forgiven by God. Because that's what Jesus said. That Walter Hannah will make one of the little ones fall, and that's what Satan has done. He has made many little ones of the Lord fall. So his condemnation is set straight to the lake of fire. And all his demon orders that have participated. Because here's another thing. They obey his order, they participate. They'll go into the lake of fire. And any human who participates also is going to the lake of fire. Those that are joining these demons as a wishes and warlock. If some of you are listening, you better repent and give your life to Jesus. Because you will go with Satan, your father, to the lake of fire, the same. You will perish the same. You will be burning for eternity the same in the lake of fire. If you don't repent, if you don't give your life to Jesus, confess your sin, and stop the nonsense life of foolishness. Okay? We serve the real God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You need to understand that witchcraft is a sin. It's an idolatry. And Paul said that those that practice such a thing will not enter the kingdom of heaven to the Galatians. It's a great sin. It's an abomination to God. They need to stop the nonsense. Stop it. Stop it. Repent of practicing evil. Because you're practicing darkness. You're practicing evil if you practice witchcraft, sorcery, and black magic. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. The truth must go down. Hallelujah. Because time is running. Time is running now. Hallelujah. Time is running now. Hallelujah. For the world. For the world. Hallelujah. Here, here Joseph, when he talks to the cupbearer of Pharaoh, says that in the next three days, Pharaoh will release you and restore you to your position. Notice how Joseph had a great understanding of God's restoration power. Of God's restoration power. I've seen it. says that God will restore you to your position. You will put Pharaoh cups in his, in his head as he used to do when you, uh, when you were a cup bearer. bearer. Remember how you meet when things go well for you. And please do me a favor. Mention me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this prison. I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrew. And even here, I done nothing to deserve being put in the prison. And so the many children and families that are being kidnapped now, put your trust in Jesus. Listen to me. For the family 
that children are being kidnapped around the United States and the world. 10,000 children a month in the United States and the world plus are being kidnapped, stolen. Begin to fast and pray and begin to ask the Lord to bring your child back home. And do it with urgency. Do it with fasting. Go into your prayer closet. Go on your knees. Declare fasting unto the Lord. Begin to bind that demon of principalities that kidnap. And begin to proclaim your children and your family back home in the name of Jesus. This, this is important. This is important. I am shocked by the numbers of children that are being kidnapped every month around the United States and the world. Thousands of them. And they're not finding them. The police is not finding them. My brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. But Joseph was kidnapped in the Bible. Joseph was kidnapped. But God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. He says, I was kidnapped from my land of the Hebrew. Even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in prison. And that's just what they do to the children when they kidnap. Sometimes they take them to other country and they imprison them for months and years like Joseph. Treating them like animals and beating them and abusing them. But the hand of God was with Joseph. And the hand of God will be with those that call upon his name. Upon the name of his son, Jesus. And you pray for the kingdom to come back home. And I want to ask everyone listening. Let's pray for the children that are being kidnapped in the United States and the world right now. Let's send the word of God right now over their life. In Jesus' name, Lord, bring, hallelujah, the children back home, Lord. Make them appear. Make them be in sin to the police. Lord, let them be found by the police, Lord, and bring them back home. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Put a hedge of protection and a wall of fire. Send your angel to protect them and bring them back home, back home to the family. In Jesus' name, we pray. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Anything impossible to the Lord. Is there anything impossible with the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is important, brothers and sisters. We, the church, have responsibility. We got God in our lives, the Almighty One. If we pray, God will move and do something. But we start with us praying about it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Don't take for granted God in your life. Thank you, Jesus. But there was a consequence to the chief baker. And, and the chief baker saw that the meaning that Joseph has given to the copper was the dream was good. So he says to Joseph, I had a dream too. <laughs> it wasn't a dream that I would say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> don't tell me this dream. <laughs> I know a lot of people tell me a lot of dreams. Yeah. Don't tell no oh oh keep keep this dream away, don't tell me. But why why this dream this this I'll give you an example. People I have dreams. Well my dream might seem rap, brother. What does that mean? <laughs> right. Like Joseph I wanted to run away because rock significant my sin and demons in a dream. 
snakes, devil, demons, attacks, usually attacks. And when someone comes to me with those type of dream, immediately I, I don't don't tell me, don't tell me, <laughs> because I I immediately know say what I have to say. You may not want to hear what I have to say, but you have to repent. You have to confess any sin, hidden sins, uh, things that you may think think is okay with God. God saying it's not okay. Friends coming into your life. Uh, you, let's say you just met someone And you go have a dream with a rat Coming to you You know it, it Sounds offending but it's God's letting you know that If it's a rat that's not an honest person It, it could be demonic attack You know And much more Some people uh, Someone was telling me about someone they met That poisoned them Christians, and and with Christ and prayer, we pray, okay, but see, these, these are the signs, okay, that these are enemy coming into your life, and sometimes to some people, they go through really, because when God is letting you know, be careful with a person, you keep sharing with the person, and all of a sudden, it'll turn on you at any moment, when the enemy sends someone, they prepare that person to turn on, on that other person at any moment. So we have to be careful. We we just have to thank you, Lord. Be very careful. I want to play the audio, brother Tony, that we listened to earlier, because, like you said, it's a blessing, right? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Let me see if I can get it, because it related to what the Lord was showing me in regard to to Hallelujah, what God is going to restore in our life. Thank you, Jesus. He's going to restore, hallelujah, and what he's going to restore, we, we need him to restore, restore it in our life, really get us back in track with, with certain things that we've been asking for, praying for. <coughs> you'll be surprised that you'll be asking for something, and then God said, well, I'm going to restore this in your life and, and get you... Uh, to where you you want to go, but not in the way you expected, the way he chose to do it. It will be powerful. It will be mighty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So in my dream, the power of God was like coming up the mountain, so of all of us. And I could see the power of God restoring what the enemy has stolen. Remember the dream I had from the Lord? The Lord took me to this valley. And this valley belongs to Satan. And he had their new RB, new homes, brand new home for, you know, with several bedroom homes, three and four bedroom homes, brand new, brand, brand new, stolen. Brand new carts, stolen. SUV. Beautiful, brand new, no no mile that they have prayed for, stalling. Satan puts them all in this place every time he steals them. And then there are many reasons how and why. A lot of it when we are impatient, the blessing is about to come. You know, and I saw I saw rain, I saw gold, a lot of gold stolen from God's people, diamond including. <coughs> 
the devil steals a lot from God's people. And there are many verses in the Bible that teaches us he does this, but also teaches us to claim. And Proverbs say that when the thief steal, evil had to repay things seven times to you. You know, it'll be restored back to you seven times. So you got to learn these verses and pray them in your in your in your prayer time with God. Claim them and rebuke the devourer. And, and a, a lot of people, someone was telling me that God God revealed to not long ago that that. She should have been married, but she's not, because the enemy has stole that from her. And there are people like that who wanted to be married years ago. What happened? The enemy wouldn't stole that one way or another. And that is us not being prayer warriors. We need to learn to be in prayer warriors. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Paul says that in everything... Let it be known before the Lord and with supplication. There's a verse. I can't remember what it is now. That our, our prayer, our needs, let it be known unto the Lord with supplication, I believe it says. And it's, it's you presenting your prayer before the Lord, confessing them, but letting the Lord know what you're asking him for daily. And the rebuking of the devourer, claiming what is yours. I've been doing this. I've been claiming. I've been going to the Lord back and forward. The Lord two weeks ago showed me I was having I will have a different car. I started having problems with my car, and I'm like, what is this? But the Lord allowed it because He was giving me another one, and He did yesterday. And and, and but it took me to pray. Consistently is the word. Constant. And, and, and don't think negative about it. Don't confess negative. But pray, pray, pray every day, two or three times a day as much as you can. And just know that the Lord will give you what he promised. The, 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 what is it? James says that, that the constant prayer of the righteous the fervent, I'm sorry, looking for that word, fervent, prayer of the righteous. I really mind. How do you see fervent, Brother Tony? Fervent, uh, fervent is, uh, uh, well, it sounds like, like something's on fire, right? Yes. You know, uh, it sounds like, uh, um, you know. Do you see a fervent prayer? Passive? Uh, no. <laughs> so why the majority of the people are passive in the prayer? Fire is missing, you know, that uh, See? longing and, and uh, just, uh, um, you know, like, just not um, not doing as as, you sh- as we should, you know, it's a, that's a powerful word, that's a good word, fervent. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hey, Brother Miguel, if you can join me on Sunday, that would be great, brother, from, from Colombia. Yeah. Let's see if you can join me on Sunday. I know he's busy. But he usually said yes. <laughs> I've been wanting to invite him since last week. He has great testimony too. But the fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. 
We need to, to be on fire, like the brother says. I'll, I'll email him. To, to um, thank you, Lord. Amen. Yeah, he hurt me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The fervent breath, the fervent. And I see that also as persistent. Brother Miguel, how do you see fervent? Or how do you understand fervent to you? Like, how do you relate that to your own life? Go ahead. You can write it in the chat room if you want. We'll talk life on Sunday, God willing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise to God. Fervent, fervent, it, 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 it's, I see it as persistent. Brother Tony sees it in a fire, which is, is excellent. Consistent. Well, that's, that's it. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. When, when you see it that way, when you understand it, because you got to apply it to yourself, it helps you in your own prayer. And not being passive. Don't be passive in your prayer. Say, Lord, you said this in your word. I claim it. I proclaim it, Lord. Let that come to my life. Make that happen, Lord. And and don't don't do it by emotion. Do it by faith. Why do I keep doing it? Because I do it by faith, not by my emotion. I don't need to see right away what I'm asking because I'm believing it would happen. God has made me promise that I'm still asking for them every day. And I have said this for years here in the Lord's Hour. But I'm not going to stop asking and hoping and waiting on the Lord. No. Because I know God is able to. And it's just in his moment that's going to come. Sometimes, do we get desperate sometimes? Yes. It's normal in this body. And God knows we do also. No surprise to God. Oh, you surprised me, my son. No. <laughs> I didn't know you were this one. <laughs> no. He knows. Amen. He knows. Thank you, Jesus. That sometimes we, hallelujah, get desperate. And and want things to come our way or happens our way. But it, but it is his way. His will, as Jesus gave us the example. Isn't, isn't that how he, Jesus went and, and, and prayed and said, Father, not my will? We've all felt the weight of loss and heartache. Thank you, Lord. This is, this is part of the audio I want to play. Amen. I'll play it in a few more minutes. But that desperate, that desperation that people feel sometimes, it's even part of the testing of, are you going to trust in the Lord? Yes, faithful. That's also that applied. Thank you, Jesus. That, thank you, Lord. Whatever we're asking or requesting, he will give to us. And he'll give it to us at the right moment. I know, although we want it sometimes, on our time. But he's faithful. He is faithful. Thank you, Lord. He will restore what he promised us. 
that he would. So in this revelation, Shalom Sister Wendy, I can see the power of God on our lives, restoring marriage, restoring family, restoring health, and he was restoring to us what the locusts had eaten from our lives, which I I look at them as demons here. I know that they're exit, right? But they're demons because that's what we we battle not against flesh and blood, right. but against principality. The Bible says. So to me, these all these four different type of locusts that have come and eaten from us so much. God said He will restore them. And and I this is the restoration power of God is what I saw coming. It's coming. It's here. It's close. It's within our reach. It's within days. It's in front of us. God is in front of us to restore everything that the enemy has stolen for us. He wants to. Don't say no to God. He wants to restore from your life everything the enemy has stolen from you. And some of you have no idea how much he has stolen but God will restore them anyway back to you. You will have what God said he will have. God will provide what he said he will provide. You have to experience this. I heard years ago preachers say, you have to experience it before you go to heaven. And I said, amen. This is the, the supernatural power and restoration in your life. That God just showed me this morning is coming for us. He's bringing to us total restoration of all what the enemy has stolen all this year. I saw his power. My brother and sister, there's so much I believe that we're going to begin to see so soon from God. Turn us. It will have a fully walking faith by faith, without any doubt and unbelief, when we begin to see the total power of God restoring everything back to our lives and restoring marriage, restoring family, children, healing people, emotional, psychologically, physically, spiritually, God's going to do so much healing and so much restoration. Thank you, Lord. It's always for us now to trust Him, depend on Him, seek Him every day. Because these things, I remember when this year 2024 began. The Lord said that we are going to see now. Everything back before 2024 was all about God speaking to us. Not all that word that God has been speaking for years, he's going to begin to fulfill it this year. 2024, in Jesus' name, I believe it. He's going to begin to show not just the church, humanity. That's why when that fallen angel alien says to me, calling to alien, fallen angel demons, says to me, oh, we decided to begin to show us in 2023. And this is the part I didn't finish on Sunday. I'm sorry, but with so much information I was sharing. That as him and I was talking on Sunday, I say, oh, so that's why these apparitions of you guys, like in, in 
in Florida, in the mall, in some other state, I don't know if it was Wyoming or, or Idaho, <coughs> some other places, the videos on, on YouTube, are these things appearing, and, and they confirmed to me and say yes, that that, that was them. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, and it says, but he was telling me that the next operation is going to be, which in the Lord showed me this, it was the same same prophecy he gave Sister Barbara last week about these aliens which are fallen in your fallen demon appearing in the sky. The Lord that same night showed me, confirmed to me what he showed Sister Barbara. Twice because I was so tired and so sick that night that while the Lord was showing it to me, it was like I closed my eyes. And then the Lord showed me again because he knew how I felt. It was so amazing that I was so sick like a dog. And when the Lord raptured me, I was completely perfect without any sickness. I knew that that sickness was a part of my body, but not my spirit. Incredible. I experienced that. But these operations, a fallen angel called you are fallen alien. That are appear, they they're gonna to begin to appear this year, twenty twenty four, in the United States or around the world. More people will record them with camera. They're gonna be on the news. The videos are gonna be on the news, on the news stations. And a lot of people, if, instead of making them believe more in God, that's gonna bring more unbelief. My brother and sister. And that's why God doesn't allow anything to happen without revealing to his servant the prophet first, the Bible says. He needs to reveal it to us so we can tell you, don't become unbeliever because you'll see aliens in the sky, supposedly. Demon. Because that demon, long hair, big eyes, ugly things. Not, there's no cute, nothing, no cuteness about them. But our government and them are all together with them, my brother and sister. Okay. So, be aware these messages are being recorded, please. When you see stuff like this that happening, say, Brother Obi said it, he is in the archive. I'll do my best to name some of these programs. It's very important we stay informed that we talked about these things before they happen, before I appear, because then people, when they do appear, they lose hope. Don't lose hope. Get on your knees and cry out to the Lord when this happens. When you turn on the news and the oh, this video was coming, all these things flying over our country. Shut it off and go into prayer for will affect you. Guys, some people cannot watch stuff like that. It will affect them. They'll cry out. They'll cry themselves out. Or they'll cry themselves into bed. Or they go to bed crying all night long. They get shaken by it. But Bible said for us not to be shaking. Hallelujah. Not to be shaken. Should not allow these things to shake in us so bad that, oh, how am I going to pray? I can't even pray. So we say, I can't even fast. What does that have to do with you to get in the Lord? But they get shocked. They get, you know, shaken by it. And God, hallelujah, don't want us to. So Joseph talked about restore, restore to the to the cupbearer. 
And it's happening exactly as he has said it. I think I had it here. Thank you, Lord. Right as he has said it, he will restore back. God wants to restore us back. Hallelujah. And then the testimony, 31, 13, that he will restore back to his position. God is a great restore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And many uh, testimony, a restoration in the Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Here in, in um, Joel 42, 7, after the Lord said these things to Joel, the Lord says to Eliaphi and Timon, I'm very angry with you, your true friend, because you didn't speak what is right. I mean, your servant Joel this has done. So after that, Joel prayed for his friend, and the Lord restored Joel's prosperity and gave him twice as much as he had before. See, this was God Almighty who brought over the life of Job, okay, a restored prosperity. God will want to do the same thing with you and I. He can do that. He can restore it. What do you think, Brother Tony? God restoring twice back to Job. So it's not like we were thinking, like, you know, you lose a, he stole your shoes. You get back a pair of shoes again. It's actually get two pairs back. Yeah. Does that sound like seven times restore back? The thief yeah. stole, and, and Proverbs say he gets back seven times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that doesn't sound, yeah. Uh, because, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was the yeah, it was Satan that, that went, well, God allowed it, right? Mm-hmm. But it was Satan, the one that, that wanted that, you know, and but God did allow it, but then he was, exactly he was restored twice as much as he had before, and and a point there is also what what it says there, and Joe prayed for his friends. Mm-hmm. You know, that's also another one that you mentioned the other day. It's it's when you when you just don't focus on you, but when you pray for others and you help others, that's when uh, uh, your blessing will also. You know, that's when you start seeing things. You know, the, the Lord. Uh, you mentioned uh, mm-hmm. that's when the Lord starts. Uh, you know, uh, blessing you when you start. Um, Praying for others, helping others, you know, that need help. And, uh, yeah. I'm surprised I said twice because Jesus said in the New Testament yeah. that we, whatever we give for the kingdom, it will be 100 times, 100% full. He did, was that the one when he said, uh, not in this life only, but also in the next? Yes, both. 100 times full you'll receive. Joe received twice. So this is why when people pray, certain stuff out of the Old Testament, like this one, oh, let my blessing like Job be restored twice. But Jesus said in the New Testament, it's 100% full. So uh, I have prayed 100% full. Yeah. And now that I'm being greedy, it's that the Lord made the promise. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because someone may say, but brother, I'm fine with twice. Yeah. I'm fine with twice. Are you brothers and sisters in the day in the shadow? Are you fine with twice? Or do you want the 100% full? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I I believe because Jesus, Jesus said 100%. Yeah. And that's what I've been praying. And, and I believe that, that, you know, that makes more sense. 100% full, Lord, he said. 
Joe got twice. You know, I don't remember if what Joe got was even under the law, brother Tony, because the law said that the that uh, someone says both. Uh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> under the law was ten, no. When the T stole was ten, he was he had to restore back ten. Uh, was it on Proverbs or was that in... no Proverbs is seven. Oh, okay. But under the law of Moses, it was ten. The restoration was ten. Seven times. <laughs> so then that's Proverbs. You're talking about Proverbs there. Yeah. But under the law, when the with the thief stole, it was ten. Okay. So you know, so we got two, seven, ten, and a hundred. I will stay with the hundred. Send a test. Huh? Yeah, because that's the yeah. promise of Jesus. Yeah, it did say it. One thing I was thinking, this is me. Why is it that it's more important to the Son of God than to Moses and the prophets and all of them? And to me, my understanding, it's that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And none of the prophets are at the right hand of the Father like Jesus, or were there. Not even their their forefathers were not there, I believe. They're in heaven, though. They're in heaven. They were God. But what I'm saying is they're not like the Lord right in the throne. Jesus don't need to come out of the throne like people. God will invite you to the throne. You come there. You stay there with him a while. But then you got to leave. Not Jesus. He stays sitting there with Father. My brother and sister. And to me, he has greater privilege. Yeah. Plus, he's God. He's a son of God. He's God. Son of God is God. The blessing of him is he, he can, I would say, divide himself, not multiply himself. Mm-hmm. And one of himself can go into the temple and pray. The other one can stay there with Father, and the rest can be down here in heaven with us. Yeah. And it's still him. Nama himself is less. He's still God in all of them. Which something he, he was playing to us in heaven because I'm here, I, we wouldn't have that. Yeah, the same, the same, uh, same as the Father, right? He can be in one place at the same time. Oh, he's only, he is. Yeah. God is only present. Yeah. He, it, this conversation can, can take us a lot of hours, but I, I'm going to try to make it short. When Brother Larry asked Father, you know, about how many other galaxies and all that. I think he said, I'm in a hundred million galaxies. And all of them, I am God. And they come and worship and all that. And all of them. That's why he says to Brother Larry that man, earth, is the lowest of all. The rest is it's all in a holy, pure, you know, perfect. But we're coming in restoration. We're in the process of being restored. Yeah. Amen. You know, I was asking Father to please stop the evil. Stop it. Just stop it. He didn't respond to me to that. He just told me that that was that his plan, you know, his original plan. So we, the earth is coming into an end. When the church goes, the seven-year great tribulation begins, and that's it. You know, that's what I was telling Brother Tony earlier. Let's say we get raptured from now in three months. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to question anything. I would just go home, and if one of you come and say, Brody, but I have a question. You said that this or that would happen. I said, go ask the Lord. I'm going fishing. I'm not going to talk about this. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And I'm not going to be mean. I love you. <laughs> I just, you know, I love the part because this came to my mind. Prophecy will end. Yeah. I'm going to call that to you in heaven when you got to me about prophecy. Oh, but you said this, brother, will be to me in heaven. Listen, prophecy will end. It's, I'm done. I'm done. Let's say, go ask the Lord. I'm going fishing. I'm going here. I'm going there. Let me go to the throne of the Lord if I'm allowed. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, we're coming into the end of prophecy. I'm dropping this topic. No more prophecy. What I will look to is to learn about Father. If you say, brother, let's go to the library of Father in heaven, we'll go in there. You know, and and get a book for each other or get or read a book together and, and share and, and talk about the book and the knowledge. I will leave, we're leaving prophecy behind. That's it. When, once we get to heaven, once we're there in the Mary Supper of the Lamb of God, we're leaving prophecy behind. Do you agree with me, Sister Wendy? <laughs> we're leaving prophecy behind. You know, so time will finish. Prophecy will finish. You know, love is the only thing that will endure. That, that's not going to change. We're going to continue to grow on that. You know, that's why I say I don't mean to offend you. I love you and the Lord, each and one of you. But, amen. We're going home to rest. You know, and remember, Jesus is going to be there, even the person of the Holy Spirit. Ask them any question. Request from them. He'll tell you, they'll tell you, they'll reveal to you. Okay, this is almost over. The reason why we're coming on is in obedience to the Lord, but this is all coming to an end, my brother and sister. And to me, this is joy. This gives me joy knowing, like when God woke me up this morning with that great glory revelation of the restoration he's going to be doing among us, among these people. It really gave me a lot of joy to see it. He's going to restore marriage. He's going to restore people that should have been married. He's going to remarry them. He's going to do great miracles among his people because the enemy has stolen so much from his people. He's going to restore all that. And he was showing that to me last this morning and like, wow, okay. It's going to be awesome, my brother and sister. We're going to enjoy what God has in store for us, what he meant for us to have, that the enemy has stolen. And the enemy has stolen Allah. Allah. Thank you, Lord. We were talking about James 123. Let me switch this one here, Brother Tolly, to the uh, King James, because it changes a bit. You want to read it for me? Yeah. It says, uh, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the mirror. For when he beholdeth himself and then goeth, then goeth his way and straightway forgetteth the manner of, of man he was, but whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he, 
uh, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you uh, seem to be religious and uh, uh, bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, uh, this man's religion is vain. Uh, what, do you, what do you? Yeah. What do you think about this man who just went to the mirror and saw himself, right? Yeah. And and after he he after he saw himself, he goes away, and what happened? Yeah, it says he forgot what he was, uh, like he forgetful, and he forgot what what, like, uh, like how he looked like. Like, is that what what it's trying to, or what? It's kind of because well, then he says, for well, he we hold himself, then he goes away straight away, forgetting what man I mean he was. It, this has to do, brother Tony, with your with what's inside of us. I'm going to post it in the chat room again. See, when you read 23 and 24 and you read about this man here, yeah. he's not right with God. He's not right with God. Look, he's not right. But look at the second man, but who looks into the perfect law. Yeah. Now, who's the perfect law? Uh, sounds like the Lord, right? The lawgiver? Yes. The law. So, but who looks into the perfect law, I mean, Jesus, of liberty, because he's the one, and continue therein, yeah. being not a forgetful hearer. And, you know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I don't know how many of you are ready for this, but I got to say it. Dreams. The Lord speak to us the dreams. The Lord spoke to Abraham to dreams. And if you're having a dream and you're forgetting them, you need to repent. And ask the Lord to help you remember. Because the Lord is speaking to you for them. Can you imagine someone speaking to you and you're like, oh, I don't remember what Brother always said. I may feel bad. And you ask a person, I say, Brother, but I told you that. Oh, I don't remember. I may feel bad. Imagine the Lord who's God. So please, my brother and sister, you need to remember your dream. Look what happened with the first brother here in 23 and 24. He, he saw himself in the mirror, and the mirror is God, the Lord. He walks away. He doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. Is that supposed to be okay with God? No. Because when God spoke to Abraham in a dream, the Bible said the Lord came to Abraham in a dream. Abraham promised, he told his generation Isaac and them after what the Lord has told them in a dream, because he remembered. And that dream of Abraham with God was so meaningful, even for the children of Israel afterwards. It blesses them. So can you imagine if you remember your dream from the Lord, the blessing you're, you're missing? It's important. So you have to ask the Lord about this. Because I have similar problem. And I've been praying about it, and the Lord has been helping me to remember the dreams. It's important that we take it serious because it's the voice of God. 
And I can give you another verse before I even play the audio about it, just to show you, okay, the promise of God through the dreams. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Joel 2.28. And it shall come to pass afterward, I will put out my spirit upon the flesh. Your sons and your daughter shall prophesy. Your old man shall dream dreams, and your young man shall see vision. If dreams are not meaningful, what did God do in speaking to his people through dreams? They're very significant to God. All Daniel's life in Babylon was about dreams. Joseph, his walk with God began with dreams. Abraham began with dreams. Okay? And seeing a dream, God said unto him, Yea, I know what thou did in the interior of thy heart, talking to, to a member like there. And then Jacob... In the dream, he saw the ladder coming down from heaven, and you're going up and down. Everything almost you read in the Bible, in Joseph's dream, are dreams. It's dream, dreams, dream, dreams. And they took it very serious. So why shouldn't we take it serious? Dry, write your dreams if you have to. Make a note of your dreams. Ask the Lord to help you remember your dreams. It's important. Because that means, Lord, I care for what you're saying to me. Like when you say, Lord, speak to me, and the Lord is like, I'm speaking to you already through your dreams. But I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, when I go to bed so tired, I don't remember. But then you got to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to remember. And that's what that's what comes with Jesus and the disciples. Without me, there's nothing you can do. You got to ask for it to the Lord. Depend on the Lord. Okay? It's very important. It's just very, very important. Thank you, Lord. Now, listen to this audio about, Gary's, about my dream this morning, my revelation dream from God, about God restoring to us what the locust has eaten from us. God's going to restore it back what the enemy, demon, and principality has eaten from us. God said he will restore them back. Listen We've to all this, felt the weight of loss and heartache. Today, God wants you to have a new hope. We'll also pray a powerful prayer together, calling on Jesus for restoration. I want you to watch until the end and open your heart to the blessings of this prayer that will help to heal and renew your life so we all know what it feels like to experience losses and heartaches that seem too heavy to bear but in those moments remember we have a loving God who specializes in restoration just like the springtime that breathes new life into a seemingly long and hard winter God can breathe new hope new joy and new beginnings into your life no matter how deep your loss how profound your pain. God can mend your broken heart and renew your spirit. Trust in him. Lean on his strength and hold tight to his promise to restore everything you've lost. We are reassured by God's promise to restore everything we've lost. In Joel 2, verse 25, which reads, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, 
the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. Know that the Lord is not only capable of restoring what we've lost, but he's also promised to do so. This promise holds true. Regardless of trials or challenges we face, it reaffirms our faith and trust in him. Remember, what appears as an ending could be a new beginning in disguise, orchestrated by a God who can turn all things for good. As Romans 8 verse 28 tells us, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. If we just take a moment to consider our lives, it is a reality that each of us has tasted the bitter pill of loss. It might have been a beloved friend or family member, a job, financial losses, a cherished relationship, a lost opportunity, your health, or even your peace of mind. These losses have a way of leaving us feeling empty, hollow, lost in the depth of despair and hopelessness. But I want you to know that today we are not here as a people who are lost, but as a people found, brought together by the invincible spirit of hope, comfort, and the transformative power of God's love. Thanks be to God. In these moments, it is crucial to remember that we are not alone. These feelings are universal. They are a part of the human experience. Throughout the Bible, we encounter stories of men and women who suffered tremendous losses. When we think about our own losses, let us remember Job, who lost everything, his wealth, his children, and his health. Let us also remember Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, and spent years in a foreign land. These stories mirror our experiences, and in their resolution, we find hope. Let's dive deeper into the empathy of our God, who understands our pain and shares in our suffering. John 11, verse 35 tells us, Jesus wept. These two words, the shortest verse in the Bible, pack a powerful punch. They show us a God who, clothed in human flesh, felt deeply and grieved just as we do. This event took place at the tomb of Lazarus, a beloved friend of Jesus. Here we see that our Lord is not removed from our pain. In fact, he is intimately acquainted with it. The fact that God understands our loss provides a profound comfort, but it goes beyond that. This divine empathy extends to the point of self-sacrifice. In the greatest act of love the world has ever known, God experienced the ultimate loss through Jesus Christ. He gave up his life, his companionship with the Father, and took on the weight of our sins to restore us. This is the foundation of our faith. A God who not only understands our loss, but took it upon himself to provide a way for our restoration, the ultimate restoration. His sacrifice mended the broken bridge between us and God offering us a renewed life filled with hope, grace, and everlasting love. To understand how God can restore everything we have lost, we must first grasp the principle of divine restoration. This concept is not merely about replacing what was lost, 
although that can also be the case in some instances, but it's about multiplication. Let's take a moment again to reflect on the prophet Joel's words. In Joel 2, verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Here, we see that God's promise isn't to replace the years that were lost, but to restore them, to make them fruitful again. This is not about going back in time, but about moving forward in abundance. And this speaks to multiplication or increase. In Proverbs, chapter 6, verses 30 to 31, the Bible says, People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. So, according to the spiritual laws, God has established that when he is caught, the thief is required to restore sevenfold what he stole from us. Is there anyone listening who wants back sevenfold what the enemy stole? Well, at least I do. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God brings full restoration. To the point where our lives are overflowing, he makes everything better than before. So, whatever the enemy stole, whether it's your health, your financial security, your peace of mind, or anything else that's dear to us. God promises to restore it. So regardless of what Satan says, Jesus will have the last word because restoration is God's will for us. This divine restoration is not about returning us to our original state, but bringing us to a state of wholeness, fulfillment, and purpose that we may not have experienced before. It's about God's ability to use everything, including our losses, for our good and his glory. Consider the story of Naomi in the book of Ruth. Following the deaths of her husband and sons, she felt her life had turned bitter. However, God used this tragic circumstance to bring her into a new season of joy and fulfillment through her daughter-in-law, Ruth, ultimately, placing her in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Our journey to restoration is marked by two critical attributes, faith and patience. Our faith in God's promises and his timing is paramount to experiencing his restoration. Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But we should also know that without patience, we might miss the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives. In the book of Genesis, spanning from chapters 12 to 21, we see where Abraham and Sarah waited for decades for the fulfillment of God's promise of a son. As they advanced in age, they grappled with moments of doubt, likely questioning whether or not they would see God's promise come to pass. In their impatience and uncertainty, they tried to expedite the process in their own way. Sarah thinking she could no longer bear children due to her old age, gave her maid, Hagar, to Abraham so that he might have a child through her. This resulted in the birth of Ishmael, but he was not the child. God had promised. Yet, even with their moments of doubt, 
and their attempts to fulfill God's promise through their own means. God's promise to them stood firm. When Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90, well beyond normal childbearing years, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, the son promised by God. The story reminds us that God's promises are not constrained by human understanding. Circumstances, or even timelines, God's plans remain steadfast even when our faith wavers or when we try to take matters into our own hands. His timing may not always align with ours, but His promises are always fulfilled. Therefore, let us exercise faith and patience as God brings us restoration in His own way and in His own time while we journey along. God also seeks to restore us through transformation. Consider the metaphor of a potter and clay found in Isaiah 64, verse 8, or a refiner and silver in the book of Malachi 3, verses 2 to 3. And these processes, something new and beautiful is made out of the raw materials. Similarly, God uses our losses to refine us, to mold us into his image. Our trials and losses can serve as tools in God's hand to make us stronger, wiser, and more compassionate. The story of Peter, who denied Jesus three times out of fear in the book of Matthew 26, verses 69 to 75, comes to mind. But rather than leaving Peter in his regret, God used that experience to transform him into a bold apostle who played a crucial role in the early church. Furthermore, God's desire is not just to restore our material losses, but our broken relationships as well. The parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, verses 11 to 32, powerfully illustrates this. A young man demands his inheritance, squanders it, and when he is destitute, he decides to return home, hoping his father would take him back as a servant. Instead, his father, seeing him from a distance, runs to him, embraces him, and restores him as a son. This is a beautiful picture of how God restores our broken relationships, welcoming us back with open arms. No matter how far we've strayed, no matter what we've done, now that's an amazing grace. Next, let's face a tough question. How does God bring restoration when you've lost a loved one? We all know that the sting of losing a loved one is one of the most painful experiences we can have in this life. But even in our grief, we are not alone. We are surrounded by the embrace of a loving God who shares in our sorrow and offers us a beacon of hope and restoration. The Bible paints a vivid picture of God as our ultimate comforter. In the book of Psalms, chapter 34, verse 18, David writes, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. This promise holds true for each of us today. God draws near to us in our moments of deep sadness and mourning, offering solace and healing. Yet, we still find ourselves grappling with the question, how can God restore a loss as overwhelming as the death of a loved one? So in order to address this, 
we need to address our understanding of what restoration means in this context. Restoration does not always imply replacement. In such a case, God in his divine wisdom and understanding often brings restoration in the form of healing, peace, renewed strength, and hope for eternal life. Let us reflect again on the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, a beloved friend of Jesus who died. When Jesus saw the pain and tears of Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, the Bible tells us that he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus wept. Here we see God's empathy for our sorrow and loss. But then we witness a profound demonstration of hope and restoration as Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. While not everyone experiences the miraculous restoration of a loved one's physical life as Mary and Martha did, this story imparts a significant message. It's a testimony of God's power over death and a precursor to the ultimate restoration we have through Christ, the promise of eternal life. Jesus said this in John 11, verses 25 to 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. In Revelation 21, verse 4, the Bible also confirms that through faith in Christ, we have the hope of eternity with God, a place where there is no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. Consider that God's restoration comes through his constant presence in our lives. He carries us in the moments when we feel unable to stand. In the midst of our grief, God imparts a peace that surpasses all understanding. This divine peace doesn't erase our pain, but it provides solace, comfort, and the strength to endure. As it is written in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And remember that God's restoration comes by turning our mourning into dancing, by gradually restoring joy to our hearts. This does not mean we forget our loved ones, but it means we learn to live with the loss, cherishing their memory and embracing the reality that joy and sadness can coexist in our hearts. Our loved ones would not want us to live our lives in constant despair. Instead, they would want us to live fully, honoring their memory through our lives. So let us hold fast to the promise of divine restoration. Our losses are significant and the pain is real, but we serve a God who is intimately acquainted with our grief who offers us his comfort, and who promises us the hope of eternal life. Therefore, let us lean into his love and allow him to transform our mourning into joy, our despair into hope, our loss into restoration. Let this truth anchor us in our darkest moments and light our path forward. Also, as we reflect on our losses, and God's promise to restore us. 
it's essential to keep our eyes on the ultimate promise of God's restoration. In our earthly journey, we experience losses and pain, but the promise of eternal restoration helps us maintain our hope. What awaits us in Christ is far beyond anything we can imagine. Our earthly losses are no comparison to the glory and joy that awaits us in His presence. Dear friends, let us take courage. Our God is a God of restoration. He can restore everything we've lost. We must trust in His promises, wait patiently for His timing, and remain hopeful even in the midst of our trials. We are being refined, shaped, and prepared for something beyond our imagination. I want to also share a quick story that I hope will bring you further encouragement. In a small town, there lived a man named Thomas. Thomas had experienced loss after loss in his life, to the point where he felt like giving up. But he held on to the promise of God's restoration. He had a small plant that he took care of in his home. One day, a storm came and destroyed the plant. Thomas was heartbroken. That plant was his symbol of hope. But then, in the wreckage of the plant, he noticed a small seed with faith. He planted that seed. Over time, that seed grew into a beautiful tree, far bigger and more beautiful than the plant ever was. This tree not only provided shade for Thomas, but also for his neighbors. This is the power of divine restoration. Even in the wreckage, even in the loss, God can bring about something far more beautiful, far more significant. Trust in Him and hold on to His promises, no matter what you've lost. God can restore it, and He can make it even better than before. Let this truth motivate you daily. May God's peace and comfort be with you. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious Lord, Almighty God, Creator of... Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I'm Celestial and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. To all new subscribers, you can find out more about the Master's Voice Prophecy blog either by using the dashboard where you will find all the videos listed in no particular order, or you can use playlists. Playlists are themes where you can follow a particular type of prophecy all the way from the first time I started speaking of that prophecy, the oldest videos, all the way to the newest videos. You can subscribe to see stuff that I put on the community post. The community post is usually where I keep up with the fulfillment of the messages, when the messages are being fulfilled, or when things regarding the messages are coming to pass, or when God gives me exhortation, spiritual insight that will benefit the people of God, I always share them there on the community post. And so, today is a prophecy that is very old. This prophecy has been in my archives since June the 3rd, 2019. 
Today's prophecy is going to be combined and this is going to be a long video. There is no way that I'm going to be able to make this a short video simply because at the time I made the prophecy, the Lord did not really expand it. But then tonight when he told me that this is the prophecy that's going to be done, he gave me the instruction to expand, to, to condense part one and part two. So I'm going to make them one video. But then he has expanded it so much. I have been reading over this stuff for about two hours before finally putting the camera on. And so today's prophecy is called The Destruction of Gog and Magog. The Destruction of Gog and Magog, part one and part two. So this was teaching from God and this was seeing pictures, just seeing images that the Lord was speaking to me. But also, I will be going over a lot of scripture tonight. So you are welcome to get your Bible and follow along. And we will go through the things that the Lord has said. God is in the process of opening end times scriptures. I've always said since I started this blog, even in writing, that we are entering and we are the generation that will see the last day's prophecies come to pass. We are that generation that have been selected out of all the generations previous to see the fulfillment of the things that are written in the Bible. Some people may not get to see the full fulfillment of things, but even as these messages of the Master's Voice Prophecy blog are taking shape, you are always pointed to the scripture so that you can see that the thing was written before I came here and the Lord is using me as his end time messenger to bring out before all people, all nations, the revelation of things that the Bible says that sometimes even the angels have desired to look into. The destruction of Gog and Magog, part one and part two, dated June the 3rd, 2019. The scriptures that I'm going to be going over in this, I'm reading whole chapters here, so this is why it is going to be long. I'm reading whole chapters. We are going to look at Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39, Genesis 15, Deuteronomy 28, and Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 will only be read in part. The scriptures again in your hearing, Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39, Genesis chapter 15, Deuteronomy 28, and Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 5. The prophecy of Gog and Magog is a very old one. It comes all the way out of the Old Testament. It is an unfulfilled prophecy. It is a word that God laid upon a son of Israel, Ezekiel by name, a prophet, and spoke to him concerning the things that will fall upon God's people Israel in the final last days. So here we can see that we are in the modern era, it's 2024, and yet the Lord has brought up a blast from the past, an unfulfilled prophecy out of the Old Testament. And this should be a gentle learning point to God's people out there. When you hear a prophetic message, you cannot expect that message to happen in six months or five minutes just because you think that a prophecy has to happen at a finger snap in order to be true. We have come to the era where the Holy Spirit is going back, back, back into time to find all the things that were spoken by the previous messengers of God that have not yet come to pass. 
So on the Master's Voice Prophecy blog, you have been hearing about things that may sound unorthodox and sound like it doesn't make sense for Christianity. Why does this person talk about aliens? Why is this person saying that Nephilim will come again? Because the Lord Jesus Christ himself told us that as it was in the days of Noah, so that it will be at the last time, that we would be eating and drinking and getting married and being given in marriage. And then the pastors never told you that some of the things that were happening in Noah's day is that angels were walking around marrying women. They left that part out, even though quite a few of them know it is true but took counsel among themselves not to teach it to the people because they thought that it would be too provocative. And so here is Ezekiel's prophecy, and I'm reading it to you now. Ezekiel chapter 38, I will read 38 and 39 together. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togomar with the, with the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud. You and all your troops and many people are with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass, that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, and against a people gathered from the nations, who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land? Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their lions will all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, Prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. 
It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in the former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? And it will come to pass at the same time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him. Flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself. I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. And before I began this prophecy, the Lord said to, to, to me to say in all, the pro- in all the presence of all the people that he is crowning himself in the earth this day. The Lord says that he is putting on his robes of judgment and I will crown myself in their presence celestial and they will know all nations, territories, and men that I am the Lord. This is Ezekiel chapter 39. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of, Ro- of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel. You and all your troops and the peoples who are with you, I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God, and I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Surely it is coming, and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shield and the buckler, the bows and arrows, the javelins and spears, and they will make fires with them for seven years. They will not take wood from the field nor cut down any of the forests because they will make fires with the weapons. 
and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord God. It will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will obstruct travelers, because there they will bury Gog and all his multitude. Therefore they will call it the valley of Hamon Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search. The search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees a man's bone, he shall set up a marker by it until the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamongog. The name of the city will also be Hamona. Thus they shall cleanse the land. And as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather together from all sides to my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you, a great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams and lambs, of goats and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. You shall eat fat till you are full and drink blood till you are drunk at my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you. You shall be filled at my table with horses and riders and mighty men and with all the men of war, says the Lord God. I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment, which I have executed and my hand which I have laid on them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. The Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore, I hid my face from them. I gave them into the hand of their enemies, and they all fell by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and hidden my face from them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me when they dwelt safely in their own land and no one made them afraid. When I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit, on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. You've heard the reading of 
Ezekiel chapter 38 and Ezekiel chapter 39. And as you've been listening, I'm sure that you can hear the setup of a future prophetic time that is coming. God is talking about a time when a nation with a very large mix of soldiers. So this is one nation at the head, but this nation is coming with a very large mix of soldiers and these soldiers this massive coalition is not going to be lacking in terms of horses not actual horses in that time we don't fight wars with horses now but it's simply talking about logistical weaponry and things like that this nation is not going to be lacking when it comes into god's land so god's land is where jerusalem is this is in the middle east and a nation is going to come against a gathered Israel. So an Israel will be gathered. This is not the Yehudim. If you have been listening to the prophecy, you will understand by now that the Lord is going methodically through things of the end. To those who think that the Master's Voice Prophecy blog is just here to put its hand on one little singer and one little bishop, you are not understanding the larger work at play here. God is doing final things. And part of the final things is that every high exalted thing will fall and every unclean thing that presents itself as a clean thing will be exposed as being unclean. So while you think that this is story time and conjecture and we've read all this, you don't actually know that you are watching the Lord Jesus Christ pack up the whole show prior to his return. This is what you are watching. As you are watching idols fall and you are watching prophecies come to great men and women and then you are seeing them fall. You are actually watching their little desperate fingernails sliding down the wall. You think, oh, but why is this happening? It's happening because Jesus Christ is fed up. He's getting ready to come back. Every high thing will be abased. Every proud thing will be cast down into the dust. It's just unfortunate for you because you love the high things and you love the proud things. And so it hurts inside when you see them being exposed on the BBC two years after they had passed away. But there's a method to what the father is doing. He is finishing all final things. He is speaking of wars and rumors of wars, exactly as he told us he would do in Matthew chapter 24 and mirrored it in Revelation chapter 6 for good measure. The Lord Jesus wants us to understand that it is going to be a lot of bloodshed in the end of times. So you hear one prophecy where God is going to judge someone with death, and it's like, no, let's pray, let's stop it. You don't understand that this earth is going to be highly belabored by the touch of the spirit of death. You hear in Ezekiel chapter 39 that God is saying that he is setting a feast for the wild animals and the carrion birds. This is not the little sparrows and the little wrens and nightingales. He is saying the carrion birds, this is the vultures, the hawks, the eagles, the birds that eat flesh are going to stuff themselves full on more soldiers than the eyes can count in the end times. So God is doing very big things here on this channel, and it is a pity if people are out of step and out of alignment with who God is, how God judges, and the things that he is not afraid to do and say in front of everyone who thinks that they just have to fold a napkin at their chest and say, let's just pray and it won't happen. Everything that you hear here will happen. 
because Jesus is having his say here. And so I will read the prophecy to you, especially as you have heard the word of the scripture. I will read to you in your hearing the first part of the prophecy that is entitled The Destruction of Gog and Magog. This is part one, June the 3rd, 2019. So I got this prophecy when I was doing afternoon devotions to the Lord. I was singing. I was just making up new songs as I went along because it's very good to take time during the day just to to center yourself and spend time with God. And so as I was doing that devotion, the Lord started speaking to me and telling me to read Ezekiel chapter 38. So I did. And before I was halfway through the text, I started to hear this explanation coming to me of what I was reading. Please listen. Son of man, hear this truth concerning Gog and Magog. This is the nation of Russia, but not Russia as she is commonly known today. This is what is known as the Russian Federation. I've explained before that the Russian Federation, this is a term used for old Russia when Russia was actually quite a large coalition or quite a large um, group of states mixed up into one. When the Soviet Union broke down, then all the different states went and declared independence. They broke away or the Soviet Union was just disbanded and everybody started to have different names leaving a smaller hole called Russia. But it didn't always used to be like that. And I have prophesied here, if you would listen to the Russian prophecies, there's I think about 30 of them all told. If you go through those prophecies, you will hear the Lord saying that in the end days, at the Lord's will, he is going to give an unbelievable amount of territory to Russia. Russia is going to swell and grow and become so fat with land territories and people that she will go back to being referred to as the Russian Federation. And so God was saying to me, my child, Gog and Magog is actually speaking about Russia. And this is something that the Lord has spoken to me to correct right here. It is very commonly taught here in the United States, wrongly taught in the United States, that Gog and Magog are two separate countries. That's how it's taught. It's taught that Gog is one country, Magog is one country, and of course the first country, Gog, is Russia, and the second country, Magog, is China. And that is not true. All you have to do is look in the very beginning of Ezekiel chapter 38 and listen to the prophecy and let the words of the Bible speak for themselves. I'm constantly telling people the reason that your personal time with God, your personal time with the Holy Spirit is not yielding any fruit or right fruit is because the Bible is trying to talk and then you're talking over the Bible based on articles that you've read and what the pastor said and this other blog that you're reading. And there's no synchronicity between what the Holy Spirit wrote long before we were born and what you believe based on a whole mixture of truth and leaven and all kinds of things. And people are constantly trying to force the Bible to fit their worldview. And that's something that American pastoral leadership does a lot. It's offensive to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you don't have a book. I don't have a book. We didn't write any book. Any book that you've written, even as a Christian, stems from God's book, the original book, the one book. So if you don't have 
any writer's credits under your name and the Holy Spirit has writer's credits why don't you simply sit in front of the Lord's word and to make sure that you don't miss anything you just pray and you say Lord I come and I humble myself I ask to be stripped down of personal opinions I ask to be stripped down of the world views that are floating around on every Facebook page I want to hear what you have to say when you humble yourself like that you lower yourself so that the Holy Spirit will then be the one to lift you up. Where? Into higher understanding. Not lift you up to be arrogant or proud or rude. Lift you up into better truth so that you can be a workman that doesn't have to be ashamed. Because why? Because you've been taught how to rightly divide. By who? By the ultimate teacher that will write the scroll properly on your heart. Right here in verse 2, it is said to Ezekiel, Son of man, Set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. We can stop right there and close it. Gog is the name of one person. It is not the name of a country. It is the name of a man, a person called a prince. And as I was preparing this, the Lord was calling Putin the prince. Now, in real life, we call this man President Putin, President Vladimir Putin. But as I'm preparing this word and God is just sharing certain things with me, he's saying Prince Putin. One of the things he said is that Prince Putin will have his grave in Israel. Vladimir Putin is not going to be buried in Russia. He's not going to lie in state when he passes away like other Russian presidents. God is going to allow great pride to enter this man's heart it's not there yet right now he is being lifted up at God's request no man's he's being lifted up at God's request to become the poster boy of the world that we are going into and I prophesied these things in 2020 when I was saying that America will be abased meaning she will go down she will fall down into obscurity and she will just become irrelevant that will be part of america's punishment but then to counter the loss of prominence russia will start to rise the prophecy the main one that speaks about how the pendulum will change it is called ascendancy and that prophecy is three and a half years old at the least america will fall and Russia will rise. Nations will start to look to Russia. Nations will start to deal with Russia. I was talking about these things in 2019 and 2020, and now it's everywhere. It's on the news, BRICS, everybody is talking about it. But these things were brought at a time when Russia was being highly vilified here in the United States for tampering with elections and doing this and doing that and very bad press concerning Russia. And yet God was saying, no, 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 I'm going to make this country a shining star. Now all eyes are looking that side so God was saying Prince Putin who Ezekiel 38 and 2 is talking about Gog is a person Gog is this man the Prince of Rush Rosh and um, I will go into the notes that the Lord gave me later Rosh is actually northern Russia northern Russia and one of the other nations that's listed here is Gomer and Gomer and all its troops is coming out in this war. That is southern Russia. But now you're also hearing the Lord say that Russia is going to be big again. So she's going to swell back 
to her old proportions. But I say to you, as I've said many times in these prophecies, that Russia is going beyond her old proportions this time. Russia's going for gold. She's, she's going to hit it all the way to the fences. Russia is going to gobble up so much of Europe that I said that France, you out there in Europe, you shall be Russian-occupied territory. The only difference between you and America is that America shall be humbled and subjugated by Russia and its coalition, and America shall become a colony. A colony is where you are stripped of your identity. The Russian flag will fly here. They will be speaking Russian on the state news. They will be speaking Russian to people just to humble them and put them in fear. But in France, you shall be what is known as occupied territory. And I saw um, and I explained, I will leave the prophecy in the link when I have time, um, that France will be allowed to keep some identity, France will be allowed to keep some autonomy, France will be able to still govern to a certain extent as France, but here in America, it will literally be called Little Russia. Everything will be stripped, autonomy, power, everything, and the people simply absorbed as parts of the conquering nation. And so God says, son of man, hear this truth concerning Gog and Magog. What is Magog? Magog is said to be in Ezekiel 38 and to the land of Magog. Gog is the prince of Rosh. That is a man. And the name given to him in the prophecy is Gog. Gog of the land of Magog is exactly the same as saying Bill Wilson from Colorado. Bill Wilson is the man. Colorado is the land that he comes from. Magog is not China. Magog is the place Gog the prince comes from, but you will not hear that correctly preached. You go click these YouTube videos and they're all Russian China, Russian China. It's not true. The same way it's not true that in Revelation 12, the great dragon that fell, it's China. It's not true. It is Satan coming to put his claws on the earth and be with us. Satan verbatim is that giant, is that giant, is that dragon. It is not China. It is just the presumption of our hearts here that we think that everything in the Bible is about us. It is not. The Bible is about Jesus Christ and his truth that he is revealing first to the churches because this Bible is your inheritance, churches, and then he's revealing it to all flesh. Why? Because prophecy has to come true. It is Jesus Christ's testimony. It is his right. Hear the truth concerning Gog and Magog. This is the nation of Russia, but not Russia as she is commonly known today. This is what is known as the Russian Federation. And then I saw a map of Europe unrolling before me, and I saw today's Russia edged out in blue ink for her borders. So she's there at the top, and then there was this edging around to show how she is. But then the blue ink began to spread and enlarge itself, capturing many countries of the former Soviet Union. But when it had captured the former Soviet Union, this blue ink of the borders did not stop there. It grew until the borders of this Russian Federation seemed to be holding many, many countries, too many countries. Russia was way bigger than it ever used to be as a Soviet Union. It took up the entire top half 
of the map going all the way up into the ice and it extended very, very, very far down. And I wrote, although I don't know Europe's map perfectly, I could see that Russia was holding territory over nations where if you told them now in 2019, one day Russian territory will swallow you, those nations would faint. And you've just heard me speak now of France. France is going to lose autonomy, lose sovereignty. Those people are very proud, very protective of their home, protective of their nation, protective of their laws. The French are famous in history. They even killed aristocrats to make sure that it would be equal governance for the people, by the people. But Russia is going to put a stop to that as a judgment against France. And one of the things that I've prophesied here is that even though France is right next to Germany, sharing a border at some point, Germany is not going to lift a finger to help France when these days come upon her. And so as I saw Russian territory, the country was very huge. And I went back to reading Ezekiel 38, and then I heard this. In the time of the end, I will give Russia an idea. I, God, will put it into her heart to advance all the way from her territory to go and make a siege against Israel. As the passage says, she will come out decked in military gold, an impressive army the world has never seen before. She will have technology, power, might, and dominion. And the servants of the earth will tremble when that mighty army begins to move out from its place. Like a hook in her nose, an irresistible idea that she can't get rid of, it will enter her heart to come against my people who I will have gathered, who I will have gathered. So the people are not gathered in 2019 at the time of receiving this prophecy. God is speaking in 2019, June, of a time where he's going to go and gather people and take them to his land in Israel. And then, after time has passed, Russia will begin to do what God is saying. I will have gathered them from every corner of the earth. I, God, will gather Israel, not a man-made exercise. I will bring them to a place of peaceful existence for all their sufferings and settle them down to rest like cows resting by the mother. When they have dwelled there a while, they will hear a sound like thunder in their dwellings, shaking and shifting from the floors as the Russians and their allies arrive on their shores. They will be in holy terror on that day, Israel, my people. This is the word of the Lord. Please refer to Ezekiel 38 to understand. And so here we have Ezekiel 38 before us. And the Lord is giving Ezekiel a prophecy so long ago and telling him that a prince called Gog from the land of Magog is going to come, a prince bringing nations with him like Meshach, Tubal, and Gomer, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya. And he's saying that each one of these nations is going to come out. Each one of these nations is coming out suited and booted 
we call it. The Bible calls it with shield and helmet and all their troops. So we hear the Lord saying that he will gather his people from all over the earth and it will not be a man-made exercise. So if you're just coming to the Master's Voice Prophecy blog for the first time and you haven't watched what is now becoming a series that the Lord has put me in, a series where we've been looking at the Psalm 83 war and Exodus, we have looked at a reading of Psalm 83 along with other scriptures like Revelation chapter 2 and 9, Revelation chapter 3 and 9, Isaiah 40, Isaiah 11, and Another prophecy by the name of Yehudim will fall, where God says that he's going to expose completely the people who are called Jews, who are currently living in the land of Palestine. He is going to drive them from that land by means of war, and he is going to gather true Israel from all the corners of the earth and settle them there. If you haven't watched those old prophecies, then this one might be a little disconcerting for you because this one, I would say, it's the fourth in the series, and I still have more to go. The Lord has instructed me to simply continue in this vein until I have finished all the prophecies that have been sitting on the Master's Voice Prophecy blog for about four years, and there are still more prophecies in this vein to go. So, just a moment, please. I'm going between the notes that I've received today, January, what's the date today? It's January 14th, 2024. So I'm going between the notes that I've received, actually January 13th, I received them yesterday and now we've crossed over into the new day. I'm going over just some of the notes that the Lord was giving me, marrying them to the scripture and also going back to the prophecy. So kindly bear with me as I go between everything. The nations that are listed here are Ethiopia, Libya, Gomer, Tubal, Rosh. And the names that, the, that are given to these nations are not the names that you find now in the Bible. So Ethiopia is not modern-day Ethiopia. When you're actually seeing modern-day Ethiopia, when you're seeing Ethiopia in the Bible, it's actually the nation that is sometimes called Kush interchangeably and it's not modern day Ethiopia but it's actually the area of the Sudan more precisely the South Sudan and as I go into the second part of the prophecy you will hear that Libya the Lord says that the entire Libyan peninsula will get involved so as I go into part two of the prophecy you will actually hear me wondering at the time I was receiving the prophetic word from God isn't Libya one nation does Libya actually sit in a peninsula? And it actually does. And what the Lord is saying here, that the Libyan peninsula, this means Libya and all the nations that fall in that area are going to get involved in this attack on a resettled Israel when they are taken back to their homeland and they have dwelt there for some time in peace and flourished and are happy. The Bible is calling them here in Ezekiel 38 that they are dwelling in a land of unwalled villages. This just means free from terrors, free from fears, free from enemy attacks, settled now, vindicated by God, haven't been giving back, given back their inheritances. And then God is saying he is going to let Russia have a bright idea 
to come out in a massive military force that has never been seen before to attack these people. Libya, the entire peninsula will get involved. Gomer is southern Russia. Tubal is Turkey. And Rosh is northern Russia. So as I was reading, I got to verse 4, and it says, I will turn you around and put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. This is describing excellent warriors, excellent marksmen, the snipers, and the people who go and sit in the swamp and only their eyes are visible and they use a snorkel or whatever. It's speaking about highly trained warriors. Whenever you hear of people talking about bucklers and shield, the buckler was a peculiar type of small olden days shield that quickly went out of style as warfare evolved. A buckler was used to protect you in hand-to-hand combat. It's a very small thing that you basically just keep on the wrist, wrist, almost almost like a metal cuff. A shield is something much bigger. You need to put your entire arm in the shield. You need to have a good arm there because you move the shield to protect you, and we know about the shield because we Christians are told to have the shield of faith. But a buckler is something so small like a cuff. And what you do is you have this metal thing on, it's just small, and then you use it to block close-up blows. So when someone goes to stab you, it's your buckler that you will use. It's your buckler that you will use. And then the shield is bigger. The shield can block a spear thrown from a distance. Your shield blocks arrows thrown from a distance. And so what God is saying in this verse is that the people coming out to fight are people who are skilled in close-up um Close-up combat, sort of you see in these born identity movies where the men get really close and they're using fingers to poke eyes and it's so intense as opposed to just shooting from a distance. And then he's saying that they also have shield. So whether it is hand-to-hand combat or close-up, close contact, very confrontational warfare, or whether you just need to go to a hill and snipe, God is saying that the people who will be coming against um, regathered Israel are extremely excellent warriors. And then I'm reading the verse and the Lord says, they will come against my people with tanks, with armored tanks and many frightening weapons of warfare. They will bring their own machinery to that small land and will attempt to defeat my people. And this just fits Russia to a T. I've said this several times in the America series of warfare with Russia, that Russia doesn't leave anything to chance. You see me sitting here, you can clearly see that I'm not Russian, but I know the person who knows the Russians. And he always tells me that when it comes to warfare, the Russians are not depending on American tanks, American bombs, American artillery, American jets, American nothing. When they come, everything that they take here, they will simply gather as spoil. They will gather it as benefits. They will gather it as, well, we fought a good fight. We kept the faith. We've won this stuff. Now let's ship it over home. But they're bringing their own stuff here. The Lord said that the Russians are going to bring their own doctors. 
So they're not coming to have a war and then get sick and trust an American doctor to give them three shots of something that will kill them. They are going to bring everything. They're going to bring their chefs. They're going to bring their doctors. He said that they're going to bring logistics persons, whatever logistics persons do, they're bringing their own to do it. It's sort of a build and bring your own war. And this is identically what God is saying, that these people are so meticulous to ensure victory in how they fight, that he said they're going to bring huge tanks to that small land, that small place, he says, in their attempt to defeat his people. And so you see these various nations all helmeted, all of them handling swords. This is verse 4. Bringing troops, different houses like Togomar from, from the far north. These are all regions in that Russian area. All the little, all the countries great and small that will be seeded back into the Federation. And God says, he's speaking now to Gog. He's sending the message to Gog. So Ezekiel is speaking across the generations, and now it has come back to be repeated in this generation to go over there to Russia. Prepare yourself and get ready, you and all the companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them because after many days, you are going to be visited. And God is saying in the latter years, so this is not right now. Ezekiel's prophecy, imagine how many centuries have passed since Ezekiel said this thing. And now God is touching on it again. So please don't sit in your house and start saying, by 2026, if we don't see anything, that's how we know you are false. The falsehood is sitting directly in your chest. And may the Lord give you a spoon to scoop it out before it's too late. He's saying the latter years, latter times, meaning there's still a ways to go. You will come to the land of the people who have come back from the sword. So these are a people who have suffered. The sword doesn't mean we were fighting a bad economy. The sword means that you were literally chopped up. You had the experiences of being chopped up. You were chopped up. You suffered warfare. Blood flowed. You died. That's what the sword is. When it says the sword is among you, they're not speaking metaphorically. They're meaning that death was there. This is a people that have come through the sword and now they've been gathered on Israel's mountains. The mountains having been long desolate. They have been brought out of all the nations and now they're dwelling safely. So God is saying that these people have been through some things. They've been suffering. They've been challenged. They have been through some things. And now they've come and they're happy. And this is who Vladimir Putin, Prince Putin, Rosh, Gomer, Tubal, Meshach, Togamar, Persia, that's Iran for sure, Ethiopia, that's Sudan, that's Libya, the entire peninsula of nations that are close to and around Libya and identify with them. That's who the Lord says, you will come on them like a storm cloud, you and all your troops, bringing many people with you. I hope you can hear God's warfaring nation, God's warfaring heart. I hope you can hear that in this Bible that the majority of us do not even crack on a Sunday afternoon, that the reckless love God is nowhere to be seen. Him and his robe and his blonde hair and his guitar are nowhere to be seen in the actual Bible for the actual end times that you are actually living in actually right now. 
Please hear and understand that you have been sold a falsehood. And if you do not quickly divest your mind and your heart of this false image of God, that God would never, you will be greatly hurt. I'm telling you, your inside will be bruised when you are forced to get to know God. Not as the reckless love guy, but now as the God that you have to really go to in a time of war to say, give us this day our daily bread. You will now finally be understanding what Psalm 23 is talking about when you have to seek him for daily bread. So Putin is coming. And God says that on that day, the thoughts that will arise in the mind of Gog will help him to hatch an evil plan. And this is what he will say. I am going up against that land of unwalled villages, and I'm going to a people at peace. I'm going to a peaceful people who are dwelling safely. All of them are dwelling without walls. There will be no need for defense in those days. God would have rescued his people. God would have vindicated them. God would have brought them home from all the corners of the earth. The 1948 project would have been smashed and shattered. The Yehudim would have fallen. fallen. The hills would have been desolate. And now God the one who always renews, is going to come and resettle his people, keeping them there safely, he says, without even bars or gates. I guess it will be like old Canada. You can just leave the doors and windows open and go to sleep. And he says that this evil plan will be to look at those people and say, I'm going to spoil them. I'm going to reach out my hand against those waste places that now have people living there. So you're hearing that Israel will indeed be wasted. They're wasting the people across the border right now, but the place is going to be wasted. And then God is going to come to rehabilitate it, make it nice, put new people in there. We talked about ownership in the last video. How God is not sentimental about the ownership of lands. He's not sentimental about the ownership of, of the nations. If God gives you a nation and you dwell in it peacefully and you dwell in it righteously, but then your occupation will continue. And this is one of the things that the Lord said to America, because you were wicked and because you just filled my nation with blood, your ownership will not continue. He will take the deed away and he will give it to Russia. And so Russia will now come. And God is asking, so have you come to take plunder and have you brought your army to take booty, to take silver and gold? prophesy and tell Gog, so you see my people Israel dwelling safely. I'm just paraphrasing here so that you can understand. Will you not know it when you see them dwelling safely? So the signal will be, it's not the resettlement process, it's not the regathering process. It's when the people are already settled there, settled in for a while, doing well, thriving and flourishing. And then this man will come. And you may be wondering, why would God allow that? If we are a people who have been through the sword, if we are a people who have been so challenged, why would God allow this? Why would God let us go through something like this again? The answer is contained in the scripture and we will go to it. Please bear in mind that you are listening to the prophecy, the destruction of Gog and Magog, June the 3rd, 2019. It will be a long read because there are many, many scriptures to go through. So God is saying that God will come up like a storm cloud to cover the whole land. This is just a picture of how many troops will be coming. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. 
So if you are here in the United States, you have been asking many angry questions. Why would God allow it? Because God is going to use nations to destroy other nations. If you are unfaithful steward, then obviously your place will be given to someone else and you will be replaced by the someone else. This has always been the reason that God has chosen Russia. God says that Russia is more righteous than America. He's not saying that they're perfect. He's just saying that they're more righteous. And if you go and watch the American Sin series and you hear about all the baby eating and all the child sodomizing and all the trans dressing, which they really don't like in Russia, well, you might be able to change your mind and come to God's perspective, perhaps, if you are able, if the Holy Spirit is allowed to work in your heart. And so all this is for the latter days. I will bring you up against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. And this is literally Pharaoh from the Exodus. God said the same thing to Pharaoh. He told Moses, I'm going to use that stubborn, hard-hearted, skinny man as an example. When God says he's going to hallow himself in you, it literally means that he's going to justify himself by using you as an example that the entire earth will watch. So to those who have already been through the Russia and China series, you can finally hear that Russia is not going to get away with being the hammer that the Lord uses. This is God's methodology. If you are unfaithful, the Lord will use someone else to hammer you, and then the Lord himself will hammer that person because the act of hammering itself is wickedness. Imagine this type of intelligence that the Heavenly Father has. If we would listen to him, we wouldn't ask all the but why questions. Gog is being told that God is the one who is setting up the showdown. And the reason for it is because the heart of Prince Putin will become lifted up. Why not? You beat America. You scatter Canada. You deal with the South Americans if they try to help the Americans. You deal with Canada if they try to help the Americans during the occupation and the war that will follow. You come down and terrorize Russia, all of Europe. You spread yourself, definitely will bomb Switzerland because God says that they're harboring Nazis. You can find that in the land of mystery Babylon. It's either part one or part two, a very long section on Switzerland and their Nazi history and keeping the Nazi secrets in the safety deposit boxes and all that. By the time Russia has gone to and fro and won every battle and aced every war, Putin's heart will be lifted up. And then it will be time for Russia's judgment. And that's when God says he will put the idea into the man's mind and calls him to cast his eye over to Israel and basically say something like, they're too happy. I'm going over there. And that's when God says, Russia is going to see him and meet him. So God is saying, aren't you the one? He's talking to Prince Putin here. Aren't you he of whom I have spoken in the former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I was going to bring you against them? So that is the old prophecy prophesied them. Being refreshed in your hearing. Why? Because the word has to continue on its trajectory to Russia and Gog. Magog, the land of Russia, and Gog, the prince of Rosh. 
And God says, the time when you, Gog, come against my land, that's when fury is going to show in my face. So then God has always loved Israel. God is the one qualified to punish true biblical Israel, not other people. When punishment falls on them, it is for their unfaithfulness to their father. And this is well covered in Ezekiel 39. When they are beat, battered, and scattered, it is because they have earned it through forgetting their father's ways. And he has given me words for them in my notes. So he says, when you come against them, that's when the fury will show in my face. For in the jealousy and the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. And God says that in the day that Russia will think to do this, an earthquake so great will come to Israel that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, the beasts of the field, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth is going to shake at his presence. So this is going to be an off the Richter scale type of earthquake that will be felt everywhere for he is saying on the face of the earth. So please understand that a prophecy of an earthquake that will be felt worldwide is coming to you live out of the book of Ezekiel. All fish, he says, all creeping things, this is the little reptile things, all beasts in the field, all animals with four hoofs on the ground, all birds in the heavens. So the birds are not even attached to the earth. But when this little snow globe that we live on starts shaking, even the, they are going to be pelting down out of the sky. All living things, that includes us, will shake at the presence of the Lord from this great earthquake that will come. And the Lord says that mountains are going to collapse, steep places. So you know our skyscrapers are really going to take a hit. In something like this. And every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all the mountains. And every man's sword will be against his brother. Now this is the judgment of the Midianites when Gideon was sent against them. Prophecy was given to Gideon. Go you mighty man of valor. Go in this might of yours. And when Gideon finally gradually built up the courage to go against the Midianites. He was just given simple instructions by God. Don't take too many men. Shout, smash the things, and I'll do the rest. And these people set upon themselves. They slaughtered themselves, and Gideon and them just stood there and watched. They didn't go to fight. They went to watch the Lord fight the battle. And the Lord is saying, once again, we will see this kind of thing. He's going to send confusion into the midst of the Russian army. And every man, close-up fighter, distant shield protector, Madness is going to enter into their heads. They're going to look at their fellow soldier wearing the same uniform as them and think, enemy soldier, open fire, attack, and slaughter one another. And God says that they will not only be judged with this warfare against one another, but with pestilence and with God raining down on the troops of Gog, flooding them with rain, hitting them with hailstones, hitting them with fire and brimstone. So we're seeing Sodom and Gomorrah in here, the fire and the brimstone coming down, hailstones, we are seeing the plagues of Exodus in here. Are you listening, modern-day Christians? Are you listening? Are you getting this on all the live streams where people I'm hopping on, I just want to hop on? Are they hopping you into the scripture and telling you what's on the way? That you are going to see the God of the Old Testament that you keep writing on all my posts and prophecies. 
that is doom and gloom. When he's actually telling you that he's fire and lightning. Are you hearing for himself out of this Bible that is still in print? If you hurry now, you can get one. I will magnify myself and sanctify myself when God is talking like this. The word magnify means to make big, to make great. Now, why does the greatest life on earth need to tell the small little dumplings of fat and flesh that he will magnify himself? He has to do it because the fat and the flesh have expanded themselves and made him small. His people say they are saved, but they can't trust him for the rent. They can't trust him for healing. They can't trust him with their children. They can't trust him for the promotion. They don't even trust that he's at the other end of the telephone when they pray. I feel like God is not hearing me. Then why are you praying? The first thing you need when you pray is faith. If you don't even have faith that someone is at the other end of the call, why pray? It's better to sleep until you have some faith and then you go and pray. He who comes to God must first believe that God is, is what? Is there, is available, is listening, cares, and will answer. God needs to magnify himself because humanity is drunk in the pulpit. Watch this, watch this, catch this. You've been going through a tough time, but let me preach some emotional garbage to you right now. Catch this, watch this. You all ain't feeling me up in here. This is church today. Man lifted up, pouring out smoke and confusion. And the people saying, please, Papa, go deeper. Tell us more. God needs to magnify himself because we have forgotten the magnificence of his magnificence. That's why he needs to come in. This prophecy is a prophecy of a reset. We elevate the resets of the demigods of this earth, the great reset, Klaus Schwab, whoever, and God is saying, no, watch me work. Those people don't have the pyrotechnics that I have. I have fire from the sky. Celestial, tell them that I have hailstones as big as a man's head. That's how God used to fight in the Old Testament. That's why Israel hardly used to need to do anything. They knew a person who would send a rock boulder-sized piece of hail directly into the corner of a, a soldier's helmet that would give him brain damage, loose his brain from the brainstem and have him drop like a rock. Who needs to fight when you have a father like that? That father has been forgotten. He's been replaced by the man from the 60s. Hippie love God. Who would never, he would never. He's a God of love and these prophecies don't match him. You don't match the prophecies. Welcome to the Master's Voice Prophecy blog where Jesus Christ is Lord. He needs to magnify himself, he says, and then he needs to sanctify himself. To sanctify something means to set it apart so that it will never be tainted, so that it will never be corrupted, so that it will never be mixed in and bundled with the dirty stuff. The clean laundry will never touch the dirty laundry. Why does God need to do this? Because God's people are filthy. The church is compromised. 
This is the place where God has brought forth the prophecy that the church of Jesus Christ is greatly gay. What an indictment. Not a little gay. Not celestial. Tell them that gay is at the door and its desire is for them. No, greatly gay. Pastors in a man dress and saying, it's a tunic from Burkina Faso. It's a dress, sir. It is a dress. And then you have pants underneath to fool the gullible and fooled they are. Sanctify. When God's people are not holy, they are in danger of dirtying him. We already dirty the scripture. We twist it. We make it say all kinds of things that it does not. We act like this Bible is ours. It is unto us. It is a gift. The Bible is your inheritance. It is a gift. It's not yours. Everything in it, the promises, it's like exactly like the vine dresser that I shared about just a few days ago. This thing is Christ bodily, but it is given to you for you to labor in it and reap grapes and pomegranates and corn. The richness of it, the promises of it are yours, but not for you to abuse, not for you to trash, not for you to cover pedophiles in the pulpit and talk about let's pray and God is love and you don't know what God is going to do with him. I know. I have spoken it. It will be so. You can't change it. It's a set judgment. You might as well try to quench the sun with your spit. We anger the Lord by the things we do. And then you still want to be approached in a friendly manner. It's not loving. It's not kind. Your behavior is not loving. Your unfaithfulness, your unbelief, your cursing God's messengers is not kind. You claim to know the word of God. If you sow, why don't you want to reap what you have sown? Why do you want to sow sin and then not reap the whirlwind? God asked this of Cain long before any of us came along. If you do well, won't you be commended? If you do well, Cain, won't I bless you like I blessed Abel? Won't you be received? Why is your face all tightened up? Because now it's God's time to judge. We as mankind have had our time and we've stuffed it up and it is very high time that every living soul on earth, whether you are a Christian or not, it is time that we did a lot of self-examination and learn to accept that God's judgment is just, it is righteous, and it is long overdue. Look at us. Men are wearing bathing suits and swimming in the pool as women. How much longer do you want to get it right? We will get it right when the Old Testament comes back into the age of Wi-Fi. We will get it right when we are back in the days of Noah. Protest all you like. We're going back to the Old Testament and we will live it in color. And at that time, we will be so humbled. We will be so chastened. Israel or not. All flesh will be so humbled and chastened before the Lord that he will no longer need to insist that he has to magnify himself and sanctify himself and separate himself for us as if he never sent us a mediator 
as if he never sent us a Messiah to bring us closer. He's telling us he has to separate from us and sanctify himself because we're so dirty that he is at, at risk of looking that way to the unsaved world who are constantly watching and judging us. Please excuse the noise. And so now, in Ezekiel 39, God is saying, Son of man, bring this prophecy to Gog and tell him that I am against him. So the same man that God will raise up to chasten nations, to humble evildoers. God is now saying here, after all is done. America will not be around to see this judgment, but the Lord told me that Americans who survive, you will witness this from all the corners of the earth where he will scatter you. Where you will be sitting in the various places that God says you will go, Beirut and many places in Africa. God says Americans will run as far afield as Asia. In those places, you will see how God will bring Russia down. And Russians will fall on the open field. This is verse 5. Let me read verse 4. God says, you will fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops, all the people that you will bring with you. I will give you over to the birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You will fall on the open field, for I have spoken. So God is going to really thunder against this great end times army. I mean, the rage that will be in him, that this man will be lifted up in his heart and say, I'm going over there, resettled or not, regathered or not. I've conquered everybody else. Why not them? I will send fire on you. Send fire on Magog. So God is going to deal with Russia in Israel and then deal with the land. And he's saying that they will be living in security. So they will definitely be enjoying the good life. That's what happens when you win a lot of battles. You start to get that ancient Rome, ancient Greek kind of party life feel going on. And God says they will be living in security, but he will send fire down on them. And then they will know that I am the Lord and I will make my name holy in the midst of my people, Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. And so God says, now we go down to verse 11, that God will have a burial place in Israel. So Putin is not going to lie in state lie in peace he's going to die in a time of battle and be in israel and god says that for seven months israel is going to be burying and this you will find in the second part of the prophecy that is called the destruction of gog and magog for seven months israel is going to be getting rid of bodies that will be laying everywhere so after Russia gets this hook in her nose, this irresistible idea that she can't get rid of, it enters her head. I'm reading from the first part of the prophecy. Come and fight against my people that I have gathered from every corner of the earth, that I will have gathered. I will gather them, and it will not be a man-made exercise. And when they're peacefully living and settling down to rest, just like baby calves next to their mother, when they have lived there a while, Israel is going to hear a thunderous rumbling. That will be the coming of these tanks. That will be the coming of these big ships. I think they call them aircraft carriers, the big ships that carry the planes. Russia is going to bring everything that she needs for the war. And God says a holy terror will come on Israel that day. 
And now I read to you the second part of the prophecy, the destruction of Gog and Magog, part two. The Lord spoke to me today about the nation of Russia and a future war against Israel. He said, the march on my people will not be by Russia alone. They will come against Israel with Persia, Iran, Sudan, this is Ethiopia, and the Libyan Peninsula. I wrote, I do not know if Libya is a peninsula, but this is what I heard. As I heard the word peninsula, the understanding came into my heart that Libya's army will be made up of people from Libya and from the regions nearby, people who belong to other countries. Now, that used to be part of this Libyan peninsula in ancient times. In other words, the area that God called Libya didn't used to be just Gaddafi's Libya, one nation. It used to be a whole peninsula, and they used to call that whole area Libya, and then modern times they started carving out small countries. And the Lord allowed me to see the soldiers of the Sudan. And God put it in my heart that these people will be the deadliest part of Russia's force. So as I described to you, these men, there's something that Western people don't understand. People in the West are so used to fighting computer war, right? So the soldiers don't really get out there and get their hands dirty anymore. Everyone is wearing, I don't know, 55 pounds of extra armor and stuff like that and just pressing and going, we, we have the target, we have the target. Yeah, well, people in other parts of the world don't have the target. Maybe they don't have Wi-Fi and satellites. And so they learn how to fight with buckler and shield, close combat, actual war. I saw the soldiers of the Sudan, tall, very dark, and smooth-skinned. These descriptions were put into my heart, and I simply wrote them like that. Their skin is shining like polished dark grapes in the sun. These soldiers are tall, beautiful, very skilled, and terrible. I see them bending low to run. Their movement is silent like deer in the forest. They are silent and they don't talk much. God showed me their ancient form. And this is what I saw. Please understand. This is what I saw. I saw the warriors of the Maasai. This is people in the area of Kenya. I saw the warriors of the Maasai standing on one leg, leaning their weight against a staff. So these men were standing like this, and the other leg was like this, and they had all their weight under on, on one staff that they were leaning on one side. Traditional Maasai clothes they were wearing. You can easily look up what the Maasai wear, wearing large beads around their neck. These men are tireless. They do not drink water. I see that they are Muslim. They are fasting. They do not get tired easily, and they eat only a little food for strength. They are from the desert, and among the Russians, and among those the Russians are bringing, they are the deadliest of all. The Lord said, it is a confederation of nations against my inheritance, Israel. A confederation is a secret alliance of partners that are working by covert means to reach a common goal. This is what the Lord said. When my people are settled back in their land, Russia will lead an advance against them like a storm. 
like a judgment, but it shall not last. You heard in Ezekiel 38 how the Lord says that they will come like a thunderous cloud, like a sudden storm upon the land. So God always talks from his word. He says they will come like a storm and a judgment, but it will not last. The world will witness a great miracle of the end times, a war fought without weapons for the people of God. Israel will not be able to defend herself. Her forces will be decimated, her bulwarks crushed. I saw something like the hull of a ship. Now, you know when you're on the ground and a ship is coming in to land, that part that is leading in the front, that is called the hull. And when it gets close, it's really impressive. It's really, really, really quite big. So I saw, as it were, from the perspective of being a very small person on the ground, and the hull of a ship, something it wasn't the exact hull of a ship. It was just something like it, like unto the hull of a ship, but not an actual ship. It was large and gray, and it was looming upward. And I saw many, many people hiding under the shadow of that thing, mainly women and children. It was supposed to be a cr protection, but the hull is being crushed. And I saw the people ran from under it before it could fall on them. The might of my people, Israel, will be crushed. Her defenses will be torn and there will be none to deliver. America will not save Israel. There will be no army to save her. There will be no military to empower her against the fierce anger of the Russian Federation in its new form. Only I, Yah, the God of all flesh will be the salvation of my people. I alone fight their battles, as I have pronounced in my ancient words. I will make the stranger in my land to fall upon the hill. This is bold black capital letters. I hope you can see that. I will make the stranger in my land to fall upon the hill. I will cause their weapons to fail and malfunction. I will confuse their technology until they turn on themselves and kill one another. I will scatter them and set ambushes against them. I will feed them to the birds and the animals. When my people call to me and cry to me for safety, then I will arise and save them. In that day, they will know that I alone am their salvation of their nation, and they will worship me with one mind and one heart. They will confess that I am their God. All men will see that I have loved them, and I will be their God. This is the word of the Lord. And so the Lord is painting a picture here and saying that this regathered Israel, though they have been brought back by his power, they have been gathered by his hand. You heard in the previous prophecy that the Lord said, Israel is a hill of beans, meaning that where Israel is today, wherever they are scattered, they look like nothing. These are the ones that people look at and despise. Wherever they are, they are the ones that people look down on and count for nothing. But he says, as a father, he will set his hand against those beings, against those non-entities, and they will come together and be still and be at rest. But yet, God says, inside their heart, there's something else that they're trusting, something else that they see as their safety, their security, their bulwark. And he said that he is going to allow that thing to be crushed. 
When their power is crushed and their defense is torn and America isn't there to do anything, nobody will save her and no military. So that means no other country is going to come and help those people in Israel. Everybody's going to be watching like, well, you wanted it, you got it. They're going to be completely bereft. And regathered Israel will learn the lesson that ancient Israel always knew. That if you don't have God fighting your battles, don't start battles because you will always lose. God is the one who fights battles. God is the one who saves souls. God is the one who does everything. It will be a glorious day when Christianity understands that Christianity is not actually about them. And that's why it's not called themanity. It is called Christianity. It is about the risen Christ. All of it, all through. He's the star. He's the glow. He's the flow. He is it all. Imagine the practice of a faith where the central character was actually allowed to be the central character and not the pastor. Imagine. Israel will set its eyes on God when they face extinction and extermination, for real, from a hulking Russia. But God conversationally says that the stranger in his land will fall. Their weapons will fail to work, malfunction. You're out in that desert trying to go north and it's telling you north is behind you or something like that. God will confuse the technology that they bring confuse them and tell them the target that you want to hit is over there and then you press the button and it goes right into the Russian camp. I will confuse their technology until they turn on themselves and they kill one another. I will scatter them. I will set ambushes against them. I will feed them to the birds and the animals. Here is the word of the Lord, Ezekiel 39 and verse 17 all the way down. Son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to the bird of the air and every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves together and come now. Gather from all sides to my sacrificial meal. God is literally going to sacrifice these soldiers and feed the predator birds and the predator animals until they are bursting. He says a great sacrificial meal will they find on the mountains of Israel. Come and drink blood and eat flesh. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty. You will drink the blood of the princes of the earth. So this is top soldiers, top generals, Iran and upper Russia and lower Russia and Turkey and all of them laying on the hills and being eaten by wild animals. And God says they will eat fat until they're full and drink blood until they're drunk at the sacrificial meal. And this thing is going to displease Israel. When God has destroyed them, the land is going to be filled with decomposing people. And this is what you can see now in Ezekiel 39. God says that along with the burial of the Prince of Rosh, Prince Putin, Israel is going to make sure that every single person that died is not going to be laying there. They're going to sanctify a special place for the dead bodies, exactly how it was done in the old days. You don't just have the dead laying around. Why? Because God says it's defiling. He says for seven months, that is how long it's going to take to find every soldier, every everything is going to take that long. For seven years, so seven months, Israel will be burying those dead people. 
And God says that they will even have a, a special crew of men who will comb the land, making, making sure what? Is it just sure to make sure that there's no Russian soldier laying around or anything? No, it's to make sure that this God who would have magnified himself, sanctified himself in Ezekiel 38 and verse 23, it's to make sure he stays that way. It's to make sure he stays non-mad. It's to make sure that this time when God says, do it this way, everyone says, this way shall it be done, O great king of Israel. These men that they set apart will go through the entire land seeking even one bone sticking out. And it says that as they go through the land, if they find even one bone that belongs to a man, so it's not an animal's bone or anything, a cow died there. No, when they identify it as a human bone, they're going to set up a marker and then the barriers are going to come afterwards and take that bone and put it in the valley of Hamon Gog where all the Gogists will be sleeping at last. And they will name the city there Hamona. And when they have completed this exercise, God says they would have finally cleansed the land. I will set my glory among the nations. This is verse 21. And all of them will see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid on them, laid on this great fighting force that will come. And so I've always said to you, when you come here, you're not watching TV, you're not watching entertainment, and you're not actually watching something that you get to say, well, I'm going to wait and see it. I've said to people many times politely that you may not see anything. You may not see anything. The Bible says in the book of Daniel that many shall be made white, Righteous people, I have to tell you, for this has been coming on my heart more and more frequently. I know the Lord will still soon lead me to the prophecies about the passing away of people, the death of people, the taking away of the various harvests of the earth that I've been speaking about here since I started the videos. It's in the prophecy series that are called um, Desolations of Desolations. I think it's Desolations of Desolations Part 2, the harvest of the earth, the taking away of the righteous and the taking away of the unrighteous. Many will be made white. There's some of you, your righteousness is almost perfected. And I know it would make sense to human beings. We all want to live. We all want to live a long life. So you would think, well, Celestial, the more, the more righteous that I am, then obviously the blessings of the Lord. The Lord counts rest also as a blessing. And so you may have already started losing people in your family. It just doesn't make sense. It seems that there's a cutting blade in your family. You don't know. It looks like bad luck. You think it's a curse because it's, it's the good cousin. It's mom who just loves everyone and constantly used to organize the prayer meetings. Ever since she left, things are just not the same. Many will be made white. Righteous people, you will go home. It will be through disease. It will be through sudden accidents. It will be through just inexplicable circumstances that will take you away. And the Lord doesn't want you to go through what is coming. There are plenty of people saying that nothing is coming. And, of course, that just goes to show where their perception is at. Those people can't be helped. Those people are part of the people who aren't going anywhere. And they will literally have to be dragged through the bushes of reality certain things will have to happen before they can finally accept where we're going. 
So the righteous will go home and the unrighteous will also be removed from the chessboard. And God will leave those who are going to experience all the things that you have been listening to. The prophecy you are listening to is the destruction of Gog and Magog. The date is June the 3rd, 2019. Quite a few years have passed since this prophecy was made and quite a few will pass before it comes to pass. And God is saying here that when he strikes down this army that will dare to come against his people, he will be glorified among the nations and they will all see. So there's definitely going to be many living witnesses to this great showdown between God and the hammer that even now he is raising up that hammer in Russia to strike many nations, including the one that I am in at the moment. And God says that, Israel, seeing this great salvation, will know that he is their God from that day forward. So that means there's going to be no questions anymore about who the great God is to Israel. And he says the Gentiles will know that Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they were unfaithful to me. So I hid my face from them and I let them fall into the hands of their enemies and they all fell by the sword. So there was extermination among these people and their enemies struck them down and they were struck down, not because they were innocent, but because God took his hand of blessing off them. He took his hand of protection away and their spoilers spoiled them. And he says, by their same uncleanness, according to their uncleanness and according to their sins, their transgressions, I have dealt with them and I hid my face from them. This is verse 24. But he says, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob, and I will have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. Because after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, when they dwelt safely in their own land and nobody made them afraid, when I have brought them back from among all peoples and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, I will be hallowed in them in the sight of many nations." So, simply put, this is family reunion. Unfaithful son cast off and sent away for bad behavior, sent off into captivity, rejected, for they rejected their father first, and he hid his face from them. God doesn't actually need to do anything to you for you to suffer. All that needs to happen is for you to get out of his presence. I've said here many times, excuse me, please, that outside of the presence of God is complete and total darkness. Two steps away from him and you are in the deep, dark forest of terrors. Life only makes sense in the warm glow of the countenance of the Lord Yah. You step away from that. It doesn't matter if you have fame. It doesn't matter if you have influence, if you have power, if you actually have the nuclear football. Nothing matters outside of God. The human being that lives all their years upon the earth and does not understand this, that person, though you own all the money on earth, you are a pauper indeed. And your soul is also in jeopardy. You're poor, you're naked, you're blind. You're being described in the book of Revelation. You need salve for your eyes to try and get it right before you sleep in the earth. And so, God says that when Israel cries to him for safety, that's when he will rise and save them. So Israel is going to have to cry. And that cry is going to have to be one particular sentence that comes from the word of God. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You're going to have to cry that cry. And then the salvation will come. And here are the notes on that. The Lord says, Israel has been unfaithful to me for many generations. They have scorned my laws and stoned my prophets and forgotten all their way, which I made them to forget in the days of my vengeance upon them. They forgot me and they cleaved to false gods. They served the Balaam and they wouldn't bring me gifts anymore. So I struck them and I delivered them over to their enemies just as I told them through Moses and the prophets. So a nation that went astray from God, that began to mock his laws and say, well, it's not for today. And when the prophets came to speak to them in the old days, as now, then they said, it's a lie. And they stoned the prophets and they forgot the way that God wanted them to walk in. But God says that he made them to forget in the days that he was exacting vengeance upon them. And they forgot all about God and they clung to false gods and they served Balaam. This is just a large connection, collection of everything that you want to worship all the way down to now. False religions, this thing called Kemet. God hates that thing. There is a whole prophecy that I have on it. Just fuming hates it. If you knew how God hates idols, if you knew how God hates to be next to Kenneth Copeland or T.D. Jakes in your heart, if you knew how he hates that table tennis that you force him to play, going between your little marine pastor in Africa and him, thinking that the two of them are the same. You can't distinguish between God and the created thing. And you force him to share space with your idol. He hates these false religions. He hates you wearing these third eye crystals around your neck. He hates iniquity and the sacred meeting. Meaning you want to come into the fellowship of God. But everything you bring with you, including your mindset about who he is, is defiled. How can it work? How can two walk together? unless they be agreed. And so, he said that people were serving Balaam. In those days, you know about Baal and Ashtoreth and all Moloch and the rest of them. And he said they wouldn't bring him gifts anymore. So you don't bring God an offering. You don't bring God a gift. You don't bring God a song. You don't bring God a prayer. You don't bring God reverence. You're just following these weed whackers that tell you, repeat after me and pray to my wand in the God of, and then the man inserts his name. You, you don't hear Jesus Christ's name. You hear the man's name and then he tells you in the God. How do you know that his God is not a mermaid under the sea? And you just dive into covenant with the God of so-and-so, insert name here. So the man's name is in the prayer. But the name of your Redeemer, nowhere to be seen. No gift for God. I struck them and I handed them over to their enemies, just as I told Moses and the prophets. And we now go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. As I read Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Lord has instructed me to say this. 
if it is in your bloodline that those you know or those who are connected to you by blood have endured these things, then the word of the prophecy is to you. And it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command a blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hands. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you the rain of your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall your basket, cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the, in and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send you, send on you cursing and confusion and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew, they shall pursue you until you perish. And your heavens, which are over your head, shall be bronze, and the earth, which is under you, shall be iron. 
The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds of the air and all the beasts of the earth. And no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab, and with the itch from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall only be oppressed and plundered continually and no one shall save you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man will lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but shall not gather its grapes. Your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes, and you shall not eat of it. If your donkey is violently taken away before you, it shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall have no one to rescue them. Your sons and your daughters will be given to other people. Your eyes will look and fail for longing for them all day long. And there shall be no strength in your hand. A nation whom you have not known will eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor. And you shall only be oppressed and crushed continually. So you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. The Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs with severe boils which cannot be healed and from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. The, the Lord will bring you and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known and there you will serve other gods, wood and stone and you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations where the Lord will drive you. You will carry much seed out to the field, but will gather little, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the vine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. You will beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours. They shall go into captivity. Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. The alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart, for the abundance of everything. Therefore you shall serve your enemies, which the Lord will send against you, in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of 
everything, and he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly or show favor to the young, and they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. They shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of cattle or the offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you. They shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all your land and they shall besiege you all your all your land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters whom the Lord has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy has distressed you. The sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile towards his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his own children which he shall eat, because he has nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter her placenta which comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and the desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that you that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. Then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in this book of the law, which the Lord brings upon you until you are destroyed. You will be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land that you go to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart and failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life will hang in doubt before you. 
You will fear night and day, and you will have no assurance of life. In the morning you will say, oh, that it were evening. And in the evening you will say, oh, that it were morning. Because of the fear that terrifies your heart, and because of the sight which your eyes will see, and the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships by the way of which I said to you, you shall never see it again. And there you will be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But no one will buy you. You have heard the words of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Only 15 of the verses are blessings and the rest of them are curses. And when you go and read the chapter, you will see that the curses are not all simultaneous because God is always merciful and God always gives people a chance. Biblical Israel was told by prophet Moses before they went into the promised land that God already knew that they would be unfaithful. If God knew that they would be faithful, they would only have gotten blessings and it would have stopped at verse 15. But Moses actually told them that God already knew. I think he told them this in Deuteronomy 8 and Deuteronomy 18, that God already knew that when they went into a land that had already been sown and the plants were already growing, the vines were already producing, the apple trees and the fruit trees already had fruit on them, the houses were already built, you will get houses that you did not build and you will get fields that you did not sow. God knew that when they were at rest, their hearts would be lifted up and they would forget about him. And I just read the indictment of the Lord to the descendants of an unfaithful people that are now scattered across the four points of the earth. And so they got 15 blessings and you've heard me read almost 70 different curses that increase progressively that they would be struck with sickness, that the land would not produce for them, that all their labor would be taken away, that they would work for others, they would be as indentured servants, that nations from afar would come against them and eat up all their gains, eat up all that they had, that the stranger who was with them would be high and they would be low, and the stranger would lend them money, but they wouldn't lend the stranger money. So this is progressively losing the power until it gets to the point where God says that you will actually be consumed wherever you are, you will be hated wherever you are, your descendants will fall under extraordinary plagues, great and extended plagues, he says, and also serious and prolonged sicknesses, you will be prone to sicknesses, all of Egypt's diseases. What are those? The diseases that you picked up when you lived with the heathen who did not know the Lord. They will come back and find you until he begins to talk about being locked up in their cities. As it happened in the days of Jeremiah told them and Ezekiel also told them that they would eat their children and they ate their children and then you can find Israel crying about having to eat their children in the book of Lamentations. I've always said, read your Bible, they weren't crying for nothing, they were crying because they were forced to be cannibals and God left them in their right mind so that they could know who they were eating to survive. And then finally he says that you will hate life to the point that all day long you would wish it was nighttime and all night long you would wish the morning would come. You find no peace in the morning and you find no peace in the evening and you'll be taken away in ships and sold as slaves.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.